This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. Comic Book Click is on Patreon, guys. For as little as $0.10 cents a day or $3 a month, not only can you help keep the lights on here at Comic Book Click headquarters, but your donation gives you access to exclusive content like CBC commentaries, polls where you can choose what content we cover next, and special behind-the-scenes footage of things here at Comic Book Click. Visit Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse today and become a Patreon. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. everybody out there in comic book land my name is george serrano aka the don and if you're listening to this you can only be here for one reason that's a brand new episode of the major issues podcast brought to you by comicbookclick.com and as always i am never alone sir please introduce yourself i am dan the comic book man and others sir please introduce yourself i am the not black falcon rebirth <laughs> <laughs> I got I, I got our boys here. I got Dan the Comic Man and GT Rebirth here uh, to tackle one of my favorite comic book movies of all time, if not my favorite comic book movie of all time. My birthday just came up. Comic Book Click has been five years in the making, so we decided that today would be the perfect day to revisit a damn near perfect MCU film and one of the most um, popular crossover comics marvel's ever produced we're talking captain america civil war and the comic uh civil war written by mark millar with art by i had that too here somewhere but (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know i know it happens um it's it's been five years i cannot believe it 2016 was an incredible year if you were a comic book fan um you know dc rebirth was just ramping up you had stuff like Batman versus Superman come out. Um, the CW was on all cylinders, and then this Civil War. Do you remember how you felt, uh, GT, when you saw this promotion for Civil War? This uh, whose side are you going to be on, Team Cap, Team Iron Man stuff with this film? So, like, Civil War has sort of a uh, uh, it it lives rent free in my head, and because before I I was anywhere near into getting into comics back. In the terribly, terribly seedy days of being on those old pro wrestling message boards. Ah, uh, <laughs> fun there stuff. Were the, there, yeah, 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 totally. They, they had those things called signatures on the message boards, and people put all sorts of, you know, all sorts of photos or, you know, uh, quasi-unique things there, right? Right. And there were a lot, a lot, a lot of signatures based on this thing called Civil War. And it would say, whose side are you on? And there was a photo of somebody there. If you were if you were playing it straight, it was Captain America or it was Iron Man. Sometimes it was Howard the Duck. There was no accounting <laughs> for taste. Right, right. But you had to choose right. a side. They, they split yes. the fandom in half. Um, I re- so, still to this they, day. Yeah. People still are uh, yeah. Team Iron Man, Team Cap. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, for, for certain. So, like... When I heard, when I saw that they were actually doing the movie, I was like, "Oh, they're doing that thing!" Because it was it was like in a time where nobody talked about comic books that broke through the zeitgeist. Yeah, totally did. Um, did two thousand and six? It seems so damn long ago, fifteen years ago at this point. Um, but 
it was one of the first comics I remember reading when I decided that I kind of wanted to do this I, because I think, like you said, GT, it was so popular that I had to pick it up. Um, when did you first read the comic Civil War, Dan? Uh, last year during the pandemic when I was in my house and I had nothing to do but just soak up hours and hours of material. And this was the first time I was like, you know, what? I'm going to read this book. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And I read it and I was blown away. This this was probably one of the rare instances where Marvel managed to, in the comics, managed to blow me away. Because I've never really been wowed by them the way that DC has always just wowed me. Okay. But that that was sure a book. Books got read in this past year. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. With this pandemic, we've had a lot of downtime to go back on so some of much. these classics. Uh, and that's the thing, you know. Ultimately, comic book click kind of officially starts, and you know, um, the podcast doesn't start till 2017. So we never actually got to sit and talk about Civil War. There's a video on our Facebook of of me, Jarvis, and uh, my other boy Joey sitting down and talking about it. Uh, but we've never done it in podcast form, so I figured now would be the perfect time. It's like I said, it's one of my favorite movies. It, it's not even close to a chore or homework to watch when I took the notes on this thing. Oh no, I watch this for fun. Yeah. I throw this on just to go to sleep. It's like oh, I love hearing the dialogue. This helps me, you know, feel comfortable. It's a Fabergé egg of emotion, of action. Um, it only could have been done off of the strength of the other films in the MCU when it was done the same way that the comic storyline had to come off of events like Avengers Disassembled and House of M and stuff like all these things were a domino effect you don't get uh you don't get it as strong as without you know building on everything else that came before it one of the things i found most interesting is that it seems like the two biggest changes are um the inclusion in the film of Baron Zemo and Bucky Barnes what do you think of those changes, GT, and how do you think that fundamentally makes this a different story than the comics? Um, it makes it a much more personal story. Okay. I um, and I think it it helps it helps ground the story in what it's really trying to like talk about with the characters than uh, the comic book Civil War, which is all about like expanding taking the story and expanding it across the entire universe as big as we can yeah yeah to the point where it almost lost its face do you prefer uh the inclusion of bucky and zemo as shown in the film yes yeah uh 100 uh, i i prefer the, the, the movie whole cloth really <laughs> <laughs> where do you sit on that dan well going back and rewatching it and you know rereading it it's 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 more about the, the story's about consequences at the end of the day you yeah, need to have consequences. You need to be accountable for your actions and show responsibility for it. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. And there was a there was a lot of consequences in those seven books, but I'm pretty sure, like you guys say, that there's tie-ins all across oh my God, the that, Marvel that comics. That there's so probably big. so many consequences, <laughs> but there's probably so many consequences and so many smaller stories that we don't get to see or even, you know, feel the need to read all those interpersonal stories. Yeah. So yes, like JT says, this this movie was more interpersonal the can the the fall of the avengers felt bigger here yeah because this wasn't just you know a breaking of trust this was that this was you know two people with ideologies that are clashing yeah i also felt like with the comic 
um, you, because it was so far reaching, you had interesting moments like the X Men being like, "We're not part of any of this. Like, you guys do what you guys want to do. We're not doing." Well, they this. didn't care because no one cared about them when they were going through their stuff. Exactly, which which also folds in when they do Avengers versus X Men, where they're like, "You guys never care whenever something happens to us, but whenever something <laughs> happens to the Avengers, we're supposed to be right there." We're really right, but like we're here. Isn't Wolverine like I see Wolverine in so many Avengers towers? Oh, so many times. He's yeah. always in the Avengers Tower every time I read. I think he Avengers just comic. goes because he thinks I that think he's he was something missing. of that weird, like, ambassadorship of position at that point. Yeah. He's like, I'll, yeah, I'll show up on behalf of all the mutants on the Earth. Because in Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, he's chilling in the Avengers Tower right in the room. When, it's, yeah. when Marvel's Disassembled happens and What's-His-Face comes and blows everybody up, he's chilling in the tower. Like He likes to he likes to hang out with the uh, with the Avengers. But yeah, we, we have no X-Men in this, no Fantastic Four, which had a real big role to play in the comic. Especially so, in that final fight. Yeah, so you end up changing a lot of those, a lot of what the fundamentals were of this. Um, and as we know, it's based on the comic book, the 2006 comic book storyline for Civil War. So uh, the plot of the comic series follows a framework storyline in which the U.S. government passes a superhero registration act uh, designed to have superpowered individuals act under official regulation, somewhat akin to law enforcement. However, superheroes opposed to the act led by Captain America find themselves in conflict with those supporting the act led by Iron Man, with Spider-Man caught in the middle uh, and the X-Men take a neutral stance. The superheroes in the support of law, such as Iron Man, Mr. Fantastic, and Miss Marvel, become increasingly authoritarian. The conflict between freedom and security is an underlining theme of the storyline with real-life events and discussions, such as the US's gov- the U.S. government's increased surveillance of its citizens. Uh, Mark Millar was quoted on saying that he used the divisiveness of a post-9-11 world to set the stage for the Civil War comic. basically the Patriot Act. Yeah, and it's this whole idea that you've heard a million times before about whether or not you would um, surrender freedom for security. Uh, and, yeah, so... If it saves lives. Do you guys find yourself on the same side in both the comic and the film? Um, I guess I'll ask you first, uh, Dan. Uh, I, I am... I don't know whose side I would fully be on if I was in that world. It's like... yeah. I can see where both ends are going. And even now rewatching the movie, I find myself sometimes leaning more towards Iron Man's side because it's like, you know, yeah, these are people with agendas, but this is the United Nations coming together as a collective to try and find out what is the best course of action to keep civilians safe. Yeah. And that's something that, that you know, Cap should want to be on. But it's it's the I feel it's the PTSD of Winter Soldier. 100%. Finding the, out S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA were synonymous, the same thing. And I, I think that's the best part of the, of the film is that I think both gentlemen, Iron Man and Captain America, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. respectively, are acting off of their last, <laughs> their last situation. Um, do you see, what side do you see yourself on in all this, GT? Um, I'm always on Captain America's side on this, and like I understand, I uh, is that a giggle in the back? I hear you. <laughs> uh, I I I, under, I always understand the 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 reach for a solution. So like, there's the idea that like, but if it solves the problem, it's what we should do. And the idea, the the logical fallacy there every time to me is the idea that we are good enough to only reach so far as to get the job done right which i don't believe is true and at that point once you once you've reached how do you stop 
that's you're constantly pushing the goalposts. What you're doing, yeah. but that's what ends up happening. It's it's a weird situation, and I think that oh. I think that once, you, once they have justified shooting this child, right? How right. do they not keep killing more kids? Right, and I think that's what like Bucky ends up being like a poster boy for the you know that not the child, but like no longer are you talking about a fictitious mythical situation bucky is the situation he is somebody who you know um has killed a bunch of people but is seemingly now being framed for a crime he didn't commit and you know at what point do you surrender all those uh freedoms for the security of keeping somebody like him under wraps when again he hasn't done anything at least not recently (laughs) so right that's the issues there um, are you gentlemen ready to get back into a deep dive of Civil War, Captain America Civil War? Let's do this. Absolutely. Let's go towards it. So, our film opens up in 1991 where we see the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes, being taken off ice for a mission. We see how his brain is scrambled at the hands of Hydra as he is given shock treatment and is taught a series of command phrases that will quote-unquote activate him. Once he's ready to comply, they give him a mission that sees him acquire Super Soldier Serum from a vehicle after killing its inhabitants. Uh, that that scene is still played as a regular <laughs> a regular assassination. If you <laughs> don't know who those people are, there's no further clues. Um, do you guys remember watching this scene uh, for the first time? And did you think that there was anything to it when you saw it? Yes, because this this was this was the accident that you got to see. It was this it was the same? way it looked like on in the newspaper clippings it, yeah. it looked exactly with the car smashed head front into some kind of pole or gate or any kind of barricade i knew where we were going so we were going somewhere was, we were going we were definitely going somewhere and it was going to be a, it's, it was a wild ride since then because the movie didn't even start with with an avengers lo- with the avengers logo no marvel logo no no studio logos no nothing just bam you're there yeah which like that kind of was set the scene for the future of the mcu now that's what kind of what they do they just which yeah, is kind of there. Way to start like that. <laughs> uh, so that that's cool. What about you, GT? Did you were you uh, sniffing anything suspicious uh, in this moment? My my slightly embarrassing um, uh, admission here is that I made the mistake of setting my address for the wrong theater. Ah, uh, okay. I did not get to the theater until uh, Stark's presentation at MIT. Okay. That's not too. That's not too far ahead. So it's about I, a good twenty minutes. It's not, but I completely yeah. missed that. Okay. What What about on rewatch? Were you surprised that they put it so uh, ahead in the film? It It, I, it was interesting to note that the uh, uh, that the the clip that they reveal later was already shown. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, sure that must have been an interesting experience at the time. Right. No joke. I would have waited for the. I I actually have done it before, where I've gotten to my film either too early. Or too late, and I'll just wait for the next showing. Really? Like, there's times I've gotten to the film, and it's like I literally miss like maybe the first twenty minutes, and it, I'll just wait. It was hard to get seats for this, though. Like this, and, oh, no, this and, I had uh, to and my the Infinity for, War yeah. and Endgame. Like this was the height of like oh, all my three God, of those were, all... were pre-order tickets. Yeah, and I think another reason why I wanted to cover this film is I I genuinely like this film. I think better than the first two Avengers films, <laughs> but also because yeah. I think I'm more of a Captain America fan, and this is all you know kind of centered around him. I I've openly said that like Civil War was, Civil War was the movie where I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to take this MCU thing seriously, right? Because they're really, they're taking uh, it seriously. Yeah. By that point, you yeah. were you were now ready to take it seriously. 
Oh yeah, because I, I, in the beginning I was only watching a few films every once in a while. Yeah, you know, um, and you have some, and like we all, it's all rose-colored glasses now. But Phase One's kind of shoddy. Yeah. It is a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Iron Man Two, Thor, Hulk. Right, Iron Man Three. I think that technically counts. I don't know, but like it's a little shoddy. Phase Two gets off a little rocky, but it's got some good stuff. But it still has the. As much as I love it, it still has the dark world, which most people don't. Right. It, it, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy was a virtual unknown. I had no idea what it was, so I wasn't in a hurry to see it. Most people still haven't seen Atman. <laughs> right. That's in Age phase of two as well. Was a thing, and Age of Ultron is a little iffy. Right. Right. No, totally. So, like, Civil War was the one that finally like really hooked me into like okay this whole thing is very good. Winter Soldier was very good, but I didn't see it till it was already out of theaters. Okay. Uh, see, I saw that opening weekend as well. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, Winter Soldier is obviously what turned the tide, you know, for me as far as being a fan of Cap. Uh, but I don't think I saw it immediately, also because I wasn't sure where they were gonna go with that whole character. I wasn't, I didn't, I, <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of him in the comics. But to be honest, I never gave him a chance in the comics. So this right. was this was them educating me. And to be honest, again, the main reason why this is so good, this film is so good, is because it got to keep the quality control of Marcus and McFeely being the story writers, someone who wrote Cap from day one, and then the Russo brothers. That always helps. Yeah, the Russo brothers bringing this uh, more practical side of, of action scenes, even though there's going to be a, an action scene in here that's almost entirely <laughs> green screen. Uh, but yeah, you know, when it does come to the hand-to-hand stuff, I thought it was it was uh, pretty impressive. It's kind of funny because so, I've been a Cap it, fan since the first movie, honestly. Green screen moment in Black Panther, so it's okay. Oh yeah. Oh, happens. that was no, yeah, that was so green screen. You could just tell that train scene was green screen. Uh, speaking of overseas, uh, in Lagos, Lagos, the new set of Avengers last seen at the end at the end of Age of Ultron are on mission and working on their teamwork. New recruits Wanda Maximoff and Sam Wilson of Disney Plus fame are learning the ropes while Black Widow and Cap lead by example. Their mission is to stop Brock Rumlow and his militant goons from stealing a biological weapon. The Avengers do well and stop Rumlow, but as a last resort, he blows himself up, hoping to take as many casualties with him as he can, but not before distracting Steve by saying Bucky is alive. Seeing the explosion starting, Wanda attempts to divert it, but sends it into a building, killing the people inside. So, yeah, man, I just wanted to talk about this scene in general. I love that we came in mid-mission. You know, like the mm. same same way, kind of like Age of Ultron, where we're mid mission, they're they're on it, they're to it. We see Falcon with Red Wing. It was surprising to see Falcon shoot people, <laughs> but this is this is a different Falcon now. You know, I don't think Captain America holds guns, uh, or Sam Wilson's Cap holds guns, but um, yeah, he's just he's neutralizing targets with his guns. Um, we see Steve as a point man, killing it right, at directing people. To do various mm-hmm. tasks and stuff. Really, really cool. Um, I love the Russo's version of Black Widow. I really, yeah. really like that character. She's very... She's an enigma in the MCU. When written by them. <laughs> when written by them. and by Not when, Joss Whedon. And also when written by them, she has a loyalty to Steve Rogers. I don't think that yeah. she has that in the other stuff. But no, but see, also, reason, that's why I love that. In the comics, it was Spider-Man that was really like on both sides. Like You didn't know which side he was fully on. In this yeah. one, it's Black Widow. And I think it kind of makes sense. Because though Black Widow's been oh, with certainly. Tony since Iron Man 2, they had like this rapport in Winter, in Winter Soldier with Cap and uh, Natasha that 
I love. Yeah, she's actually the one that brings um, uh, Tony into the conversation when they're all talking about the accord. She's like, hey, Tony, you're over there quiet. You know, like, because she, she's friends with everyone. So she's trying to pull everyone. You're uncharacteristically quiet. Right, like, right. Yeah. So she she tries that. What do you think about that, GT? Um, the the other thing you have to consider is that at the end of the day, like, um, Natasha's got that rep that's never going to go away. Yeah. So, like, it, it, she, it's the spy trade. When it's time to cut and run, she's out. It's easy. It's easier for her to break bad, given her history. Of, oh yeah, of of breaking bad. Um, but now you know, in in a post Wanda Vision world, it's real cool to see Steve kind of treat Wanda with like kid gloves. Like, okay, now now what are you supposed to do? And and now where you know where you know look over here, look over there. It was Natasha really cool. Telling her always look over your shoulder, make sure you keep always eyes and everywhere. Yeah, like this is she's a baby Avenger still. Like, you know, which, which, by the way, it's probably the wrong time to just start. <laughs> Yeah, brazenly start bringing up. Oh, you guys know I can do the magic thing, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she like she. We see how powerful she is ultimately, and over here they just have her kind of tossing a couple people around. Uh, so I thought that was funny. I like the crossbones design. Um, and his fight with mm. Steve is like, oh, it's awesome. It's gritty. Like <laughs> they're breaking stuff. They're breaking tables. He's punching Steve. <laughs> These shit. Yeah, those punches, those gauntlets. Uh, what do you think of the crossbone design, GT? Uh, I I started to wonder how he could move in that. I was like, "That's a bulky thing." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very cumbersome, of course. Super cumbersome. And, and, uh, and to some degree, I'm just like, it, "It looks like it's hot out there in Lagos." Yeah, yeah. That boy ain't happy. That uh, that stunt man is having a miserable day. I mean, basically, that one scene is the entire plot of Winter's. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Falcon and uh, the Winter Soldier. <laughs> of, like, yeah. And, um, and they just cut it all off. <laughs> they just stopped it all it's in a real one minute. fun fight, because, like, I think for me, it was it was really nice to almost see Cat have, like, this this sort of grounded, dirty boxing, just, like, in-fight moment. Yeah. yeah. Like, no shield, no shenanigans. He was just going fisticuffs. And Crossbones having a bone to pick, because he got a, a building thrown on him or whatever yeah so he's all pissed did a lot of yelling and i was i was digging i don't know why i was just digging his his voice act the voice act he was doing it. a lot of like mustache twirly villain like i'll end you stuff but it was kind of good it was really really good um elsewhere we see barf technology aka binarily augmented retro framing in action I really gotta change that acronym <laughs> as tony uses the lifelike hologram to replay the last day he saw both his parents alive this is also the moment where gt walks into the theater and also, <laughs> this is, oh, we also got to remember that this technology, which he's using in front of all these students, was actually created by Quentin Beck. Uh, and this is the whole reason why he's beefing with the guy. It's yes. Because, uh, it's because he created BARF and he's using it to impress some MIT students. So keep that all and, in you know, mind. And try to, try to deal with his un, unresolved emotions. Yeah. Yep. He's using it for the most exper- uh, expensive therapy session of all time. <laughs> that literally lasted like five seconds. That was it. And he did it in front of everybody, which is like, that's incredibly, like, vulnerable, but not do you, Tony. And he's wearing a Mr. Softy t-shirt. We pull back and we see <laughs> that he's demonstrating this tech to an auditorium full of MIT students. He creates the for- September Foundation uh, grant to pay for their research. And while looking for the bathroom, he stopped by uh, Mariah Dillard. <laughs> or Alfrey Woodard. Or Alfrey Woodard, depending on, on how, you, how you see her. Um, in the first instance of dual someone playing dual roles in the mcu because uh alfrey woodard goes on to play mariah dillard in 
Luke Cage. So, yeah, this is the first time of like, oh, and The sad huh. thing is not enough people are going to care to notice that change. Uh, apparently, they didn't think so. So that's why they put her in it. Um, Listen, this... if if several years and seasons of Star Trek has taught me anything, you can bring actors back for everything. <laughs> no, it's true. As several different people. Uh, she she comes by. She she blames Stark for the death of her son who died in Lagos in that recent. No, was it Lagos or Sokovia? Her son went to Sokovia. Oh, Sokovia. 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 Okay. He went to go uh, build the buildings for the young. Yeah, she was like a humanitarian. Yeah. He... Uh, she makes a few comments. Yeah, everyone's pissed about Sokovia. Yes. Yes. This is true. Uh, she makes a few comments about how charity stems from guilt and how he only fights for himself before giving him a picture of her son and taking off. Uh, the, right now, we can see... Like, this whole scene, as a matter of fact, is a scene of Tony barely keeping it together. So, perfect juxtaposition, right? Like, Cap is there and he's with his team and things just go wrong sometimes. And then you have Tony, who even in his quiet moments, can't stop being reminded about how things go wrong. Um, mm-hmm. Cap sees it as just a, you know, uh, what is it called? Uh, like an occupational hazard. Like it just yeah. comes with the job. This, this thing happens. And that's actually a great, li- uh, there was a great line in the first Avengers movie between Tony and Cap when Coulson dies. Yeah. And Cap tells him, like, is this your first time losing a soldier? And Tony's like, we're not Tony soldiers. Flips out. Yeah, Tony flips out. He's like, yeah, we're not freaking soldiers. And they do this in the comic, you know, uh, that, you know, after the, um, that explosion of the, where the new... Warriors. The new warriors. <laughs> After yes. the new warriors blow up that bus, you know, um, uh, Tony Stark goes to the funeral of the slain in Stanford, and a mother comes up to him and spits in his face, actually, and it's like you guys all just, you know, <laughs> you you make it look cool for these kids to end up in incidents like this, and then they die, and then you guys go on to the next thing. Um, See, this is why we don't go to the Sokovia Monument. <laughs> that's it. This is exactly why, because people spit in your face. Uh, what? What do you guys think of this guilt-ridden, uh, PTSD-ridden Tony uh, as as portrayed in this? Because I think that this Tony in this film is almost way different than everybody else because he is a combination of all his experiences up until this point. What do you, what do you think, uh, Dan? Yeah, I think it was it, it's, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back at this point because he already his mind was already blown with the whole wormhole in Avengers. By three, he's suffering with PTSD. He's lost Pepper at this point. He's well. lost Pepper at this point. He, he's literally dealing with the fresh, maybe, what, a few months removed consequences right. of Ultron? And yeah. Sokovia, mm-hmm. like like the way the timeline moves through some of these films, it's like it literally happens within a couple of weeks of each other. Like the the events of of, of uh, Civil War is only a couple of weeks removed from uh, Homecoming. Yeah, yeah, because he's still excited and talking about that and showing videos from Homecoming of his events, Spider Man. So the timeline moves a lot, but I love this Tony so much more because I feel like this is a more he has a a point, a logical reasoning behind all of this. Yeah. That whole throw a net into the into the sky to make sure no one protect it comes to us. That was kind of stupid. no. He wanted to build a suit of armor around. That the was world. a build That's a suit of armor around the world. Then <laughs> uh, this mm-hmm. and then, but but I guess that's where I combat the character because if the majority of your guilt comes from the last thing you did. I don't want you telling anyone or any one of us what we should be doing next. Yeah. <laughs> because if you because if you're the one who created the monster that everyone has is now complaining about, you don't then get to sit and be like, all right guys, we need it. We need we all need to calm down. Maybe maybe you need to calm down. Where do you sit on this, Tony GT? Um, you know, it's it's 
it's almost a shame from a character level. And actually, before I get into this, I'll, I'll, I'll need to say losing Pepper was completely unnecessary, but we won't talk about why. <laughs> I think it adds. I think it adds to the to the trauma, to the guilt. How I guess. How many times is he gonna lose Pepper? Yeah, it's it's it, it's almost like you know it it was um. It was an unnecessary gift to the story because it's like we didn't have to, but Gwyneth is a little weird. Yeah, she doesn't know what Spider-Man Gwyneth... movie she's in, so we're we're just gonna. No, I was in Spider-Man. Like, yeah, you were at the end. What? <laughs> uh, Poor girl. But no, you know, it's um, it's it's very interesting for Tony in this sense to me that like he's constantly trying to he's constantly trying to come up with. Uh, with the big answer to all of his big problems, which seem to be more problems, right, right. No, so, and and it's got it's got a noble idea. The idea is to pull them out of the fight, and God bless him. Like I'm, I'm sure Joss Whedon thought for maybe one moment that he had a very intelligent conversation to have about drones and link it <laughs> in with Ultron, right? But yeah. you know, it, it, it's always something to take them out the fight completely and it's 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 a beautiful idea that's just so unrealistic you have to like pull them back in what like like There's ultron always- right like ultron sounds like a good idea on on the surface yeah. but i mean you can't do that forever and- but unless you inst- literally instill a, a, a binary code of asimov's three laws but you also and even have, then, those are still contradictory. You also talking about how those things keep going wrong, right? And we also had Project Insight, right, which was uh, almost a Minority Report esque yeah. Shield program. Every, everyone's trying to stop this stuff before it happens because they don't want dead bodies on their hands. But you can't predict crime. That's the thing. No, you can't. You uh, can't predict crime. You can't predict the level. A of worse crime. Civil War story tries to tackle that same exact yeah, that same exact uh, that same exact premise, and all literally all gets uprooted all because it's, there's a there's a mole the whole time. So, uh, not getting into any the of that. The biggest mole. Not getting into any of that. Yeah, like I said, I really like this, like, stressed Tony. Like, he, he's almost always in pain. He talks at one point about having, like, just being in pain. Like, uh, he has a headache because of something. Like, he always seems Yeah, there was just... a scene where he was, like, after, like, a stressful conversation with Ross, he's like, my left arm is hurting. Does that seem <laughs> weird to you? Like... Right, and at one point, they ask him if he's okay. He has, says he has, like, a, an electric migraine or something like that like some sort of electric induced uh headache he's just stressed my man is and maybe he's maybe which is likely all psychosomatic and not real i was just gonna say maybe there's yeah. some like some munchausen syndrome behind oh, one, that kind it's 100 it's the problem with uh chuck from better call saul it's like literally all in his head he, he's allergic <laughs> he's allergic to, to magnets and electrodes and... we've seen him huff and puff in in tight areas we've seen how you know even thinking of new york get, puts him in a panic attack so yeah, this is very in line with Tony. I'm glad that this picked up where Iron Man 3 left off, where seemingly, you know, Age of Ultron kind of just played around with it and kind of, you know. I, for all of Iron Man 3's faults, I will give Shane Black, like, you know, he, he knows how to write. He can write characters. But the movie just the movie didn't execute right, but I do like a lot. I do like me PTSD, Tony. I don't know why. There's just something about a Tony. It, it's, it's like my substitute for them not making him an alcoholic. He, he feels re- real to me. You know, uh, I mean, listen. For me, the the exact problem I because so, if we're quick aside, Shane Black writes a wrote a pretty decent story there. The problem is, we presented behind the uh, behind the story we presented through a marketing campaign that was far more interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That happens. So, we gave you the Mandarian. We presented a story where the white business owner creates a a uh, international scary villain for people to get behind so he can get all his money and for all his weapons and all that. But at the end of the day, the Mandarian was more interesting than the white guy. Yeah. <laughs> And Trevor. that's where it all falls Good apart. Good old Trevor. 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 <laughs> um, we wanted the Mandarian, and we're going to get him now, but it's... Yeah, the Ma- yeah we're getting... Yeah, it, it took a couple of years. It took a couple... We're still, <laughs> we're still working through uh, the mistakes of Iron Man 3. Uh, at, at the Avengers compound, Steve Rogers watches the news where it is said that the Lagos incident has caught the attention of the Wakandan government, as several Wakandans were killed as well. Their king, T'Chaka... And- yeah, the Kang. Their King T'Chaka calls for accountability for the Avengers. Knowing how hard she's taken the fallout, Steve gives Wanda a pep talk, and Vision pops in to let them know that Tony Stark has arrived with Thunderbolt Ross, Secretary of State. So, um, one of the things that I thought was interesting was how much Black Panther has to, and Wakanda has to do with this story. Um, I know they were kind of placed in here as an introductory point, but I, think I thought it was going to be that the Incredible Hulk was canon still. Right, right. What do you guys think of this introduction of T'Chaka, you know, and, and them talking all crazy about America and them stealing the vibranium for the shield? Looking back at rewatching uh, Civil War av- after having watched Black Panther, maybe uh, I'd say like three times I've seen that movie. It is kind of two different w- w- Wakandan people right in this one the wakandans are very much involved yeah t'chaka is on the un like like they are making the necessary steps to make sure the outside world is protected not just their people that are in the outside world protected but then when you watch the black panther movie the whole point is that wakanda was very secretive and kept in their own world that they didn't want they had the technology and the tools to help and that they didn't want to help so i kind of do like that they introduced a wakanda that was very much involved in the rest of the world yeah yeah i thought so too i really liked uh but like i do like you said i do think that this is this is the introductory so they're they're almost a little bit two-dimensional um we don't can't really show their culture or their ways we kind of got to get everything off of this and this is supposed to be it before black panther the movie like in their universe this would this would be before his events yes Yep. So um, to know he's going back to all that seems kind of weird. That's what it is. Because it's it doesn't feel weird. like it. It doesn't make here. sense to me. Um, uh, bu- 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 um, I, st- I, I don't know if I see it that way, but like, see, the, uh, I, th- I think the idea there is that it is literally two different Wakandas because all they see Wakanda as is this, like, whatever country, but it's yeah. kind of third world. You know, it's like saying Tibet's on the United Nations. Yeah, they are, but nobody's paying attention. <laughs> right. Uh, and it, it's all about how they choose to portray themselves, you know? Um, it, I like to think that they weren't even a part of these accords until the Lago situation. And they're like, those Americans have stepped too far. <laughs> we didn't even have anything to say on this matter, but now we totally do. Uh, because they wouldn't... I don't think they'd give... I don't think T'Challa would unmask as, you know. But then again, he's not no. he's not crossing borders to do crazy stuff. So that no. might that might be the fight there as well. It's not that they know of. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, our boy Ross sits the Avengers down, and I, I love how he try to like work a golf a golf game <laughs> into like an analogy <laughs> for all this. I don't feel like um I don't feel like it worked one hundred percent, but. Yeah, he sits them down and thanks them for their sacrifice and points out that the team is dangerous. I feel like that's the whole the whole quote from the trailer that you hear a, mi- a million times. 
Yeah. Uh, their ability to ignore borders and create massive collateral damage wherever they go has forced Ross to create what's known as the Sokovia Accords, which has been approved by 117 countries. Legislation that would make it illegal to operate without government supervision. Steve looks instantly dejected. Ross mentions that in three days the Accords will be signed and go into effect. If they choose not to sign, they have to retire. And this is basically the crux of the series. Whether or not they should be accountable for all these actions what do you think uh gt about them showing you know the ground level view of things like new york uh washington those, those events that happened in other films i always end up loving those like it's it's harrowing and it really forces you to really like rethink those like the, these there are these moments that we're like sort of cheering on and ooing eyeing at and then they recontextualize that moment by showing the terror that people are in Yes. And it sort of makes you rethink all that's what's happening, even though it's for the greater good. It's like, this is really bad for, for you know, the rest of us. The greater good. Sorry. The greater good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shut up. Right. No, and the thing is, like, we, like, it almost made me feel guilty the first time watching it because I'm like, yeah, smash that building. Yeah. Kill that Chitauri. No, especially like, since the oh, whole, wow. you see, okay. like, the guy with, or the girl, the woman with the, the video camera and, like, the debris falls on by them. Debris, yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, and you know, it's every it's every bit of nine eleven imagery you've ever seen, and it's being done by our heroes. And they yeah. they go to that personal level in Jessica Jones. Remember where she's like, "You people killed my family." <laughs> like I don't care about heroes. Like y'all killed people. People died in this city because of that. And this would be our first time of actually getting real, like collateral damage. Like seeing yeah the damage superheroes do. Not seeing it in the, the in the now. But seeing the after. It, that's what's so awesome, I feel like. I, I, it's almost as if they knew we would go back to these events. Events that seemingly we ignored after they happened. You know, they crashed, they crashed, what, four helicarriers in, in Washington? And they we literally crashed just, a helicarrier to, into yeah, a helicarrier. And we kind of just, eh, like, we kind of just struggled. And that it was off. the United States' like, that, that was like their, their base. That's the District of Columbia. Something like that happens in Washington, D.C., you know, people are going to have to answer for it. And and Ross does bring up a good point. Like, like you know, if I misplace a couple of hundred megaton nukes, yeah, people are going to ask for my resignation. Like, you know, I think all of us were wondering where where Ross, I mean, where Ross, where Thor and, and Banner were in general. Well, I think well, it, it they answered it in um, Age of Ultron, didn't they? Thor said he has. Thor told Tony and Cap that he has it's, a. Vi- it's never very clear where Thor is going. We just know Thor is going away. What, what, I, what I mean about like where they go is like if they had to contact them. Oh yeah, there was. I there, don't think either yeah. one of them would have had a means to. Well, they were both probably on Sakaar at this point, hanging out, chilling. I don't know how yeah. time works. In Smoldering space. fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with them, with those two, it's always just a matter of like Thor shows up when he wants to, and we're always glad. Yes, yes, because he's always worthy. Uh. <laughs> A man who will later identify himself as Zemo tricks a retired Hydra agent into letting him into his home before attacking and waterboarding him, demanding to know the mission report for December 16, 1991. When asked how he knew about him or the mission, Zemo reveals that when S.H.I.E.L.D. fell in Captain America 2, Widow released millions of encrypted Hydra files all over the internet. Which just I just noticed within this rewatch from Sunday that that is the domino effect. That's the first domino. Wait, you just noticed that? 
Because I never, uh, there was a, there's a lot of the small details that I never really like, you know, soaked up or if I, or never really remembered. Like, like if I hear it again, okay. it'd be like, oh yeah, that's right. That it did go down like that. And that's what, this was one of those instances where it was like, oh yeah, she released the okay. files. That's why he got it. That, so want so well, Natasha's basically responsible for all of this. Like, yeah, because it's always one of those funny things that, like, I get into. I, I used to get into when people ask questions. Where it's just like, why are they referring to each other by their real names? It's like, it doesn't matter. Everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, at this point, the files are all released. All those files. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I told, like I said, this this builds on everything. It, it builds on all that has been uh, laid out before. This, so this is one of the few movies where you have to watch the ones that came before it to understand. Infinity War? Maybe not. Maybe you could just go into Infinity War and treat it like you're reading a comic book for the first time. This movie, there yeah. is so many little, little, like, important story details. Not just Easter egg details. Like, oh my god, Doctor Strange and Peter Parker in the same movie. No, there are literal details in this where I was like, oh, they explained this in Winter Soldier. They explained yeah. this in Age of Ultron. They explained this in the first Avengers. Yeah. So this movie it, it, this movie was very satisfying. It was very fulfilling. Uh, yeah. And and like as somebody who's been making a lot of jokes about him, I kind of forgot that Zemo was this messed up. Like yeah, he was no. this kind of like murdery. He's very murdery here. Um <laughs> and so yeah he the man won't tell him. Zemo drowns him. Takes with him the red book that we saw was used to activate the Winter Soldier. Um, and it's our first look at our villain. And not only is he our villain, but he's a villain that don't like other villains. He don't like Hydra. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this introduction uh, to Zemo, uh, GT? What do you, and what do you think about Zemo in general as a character? I enjoyed him. It, it, was, it was nice to sort of get this like human, like, human calm villain. Um, who just seems to have all the answers, and 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 know, to be fair, like, like his his the the humanity of him almost gets um overplayed. The dude was a soldier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, special special uh agents or whatnot. Elite, elite uh, special fighting forces. squad or something. They say. Yeah, they had like pictures yes. of him in like actual like BDUs with like a yeah. with a machine yeah. gun. Yep, yep. Yeah, people. A lot of people forget that and treat like he was just a dude. I'm like, no, no. This man has dog. actual training. He could fight, and that, and we got a chance to see that. Thank God, finally in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, in For that sure. one scene. So, it it was it was really enjoyable to see this sort of like this really humanistic portrayal of of um one of those villains. And like, I, I even just enjoyed the Hydra scene where he's just like, I I have no joy in killing you, dude. If you die, you just die. That's your own fault. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it must seem to him so silly to have that, still have that loyalty towards that brand. But yeah. we're, we're also talking about, I and, mean. We... And I was going to say, like, that was another thing I also sort of like, too, because it, it would have been so easy to sort of paint him because of its, because of the way the movies goes and because of his comic book origin to paint him as like a person with a, a color to pick. But he's just like, like, dude, like Hydra and Shield both suck. I don't care. <laughs> No, that's why I'm very glad that he didn't try to make a new Hydra. Like, that wasn't his goal. Like, you oh, know, he wanted it all gone. I want a new Hydra. Better than before or whatever. In a sense, he was basically the He was our, our original version of what Carly was, but minus the need for the serum. Like, take Carly not wanting that serum. She's basically doing what he wanted. This is like, do you all go down? I don't want none of you existing. And the beautiful part about Zemo is he was the first to win. He was the first bad guy to win. Whether he didn't get away is irrelevant. He won. 
Joker didn't get away, but the Joker won. Yeah, and that's it. It's, we're in a situation with this film where the stakes have changed. You know, um, it's usually about like like w- with the comic because there's so much going on in Civil War. Um, it's hard to like, especially if you just read the seven issues, the seven you know the main issues. It seems like a kind of an open and shut case kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? Like people have beef, uh, they kept fighting, and then push came to shove, and ultimately. Things kind of ended. Like we got to eventually get more of a what I would call a um, personal touch when you start to go into characters like Spider Man or um, even Black Panther, who feels like he needs to uh, be like a diplomat instead of just a regular you know person there. But by having Bucky, by having these teammates that seemingly were friends, you know, at, at odds over this, it's way more. It's much more of an emotional on emotional stakes i feel like like these are I, whenever i when when the mcu disappeared for a, a while uh you know it's usually usually only a couple months at a time whenever i go back to watch a film it feels like i'm i'm meeting old friends again so to watch these guys argue and be at, at each other's throats felt like you know like a couple that you really like getting into an argument <laughs> while you guys are on i don't know uh, the ferris wheel or something so i thought that was interesting as well um yeah, we got I it. I always find the um the ending of that very not the ending of it but like the way things turned out to be very interesting where it's like you got the big end game there was a bookend film Spider Man and then everything went down and it was like like okay well I guess we just get the sitness and it, 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 yeah for any <laughs> other comp- for any too. other company it would have been like okay cool we did our big thing we're taking a year off right right. <laughs> No, that's what that's kind of sort of how it should have been, um, or you know that's that I think it's easier when you're when you know you're passing it to something else that's going to continue the story. But with these films, sure. you kind of have to have a different uh, conclusion, um, or you at least you hope for that kind of stuff. So you get the scene where the Avengers argue over the legitimacy of the accords, and everyone brings up great points. When Tony is asked about his opinion, in my opinion, he browbeats the team. Uh, he 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 browbeats the team <laughs> over the death of that lady's son that he just recently found out about. He didn't oh, know that's about that. what's his name, right. by the way. Like... Yeah, but he like he's like, oh yeah, I know this guy. You guys don't know this guy because you guys don't care enough about the people who died. But I know kid. his name. Guess where he wanted to go. I know where he worked. Did you guys know that? It's like you just found this out yesterday. This was like fresh information <laughs> for you. This is totally. New. But you because you're so full of guilt, <laughs> you're just browbeating everybody for it. Oh my god! But he's like, probably oh, the most. It's, it's, it's all just like. Oh, Han, you don't even believe in the Force. You just found out. Yeah, you just found out about it, bro. Come on. Um, so, yeah, he, he's like, nah, you know, he's he's definitely affected by all the lo- the lives that have been lost. And so he says they need to get put in check. Uh, but I feel like he's the only one that weighs each life on his shoulders. I think because ultimately he has made a lot of those decisions. Like a lot of people like Hawkeye, like how Hawkeye says, you go out the door, you're an adventure. Hawkeye doesn't go out the door and tell people what they're going to do. He goes out the door and listens to orders. And a lot of those orders are coming from either Iron Man or Steve. So if you can't yeah. sleep with those decisions, then don't, you have a bigger issue. Yeah, yeah you got a bigger issue. Yeah, it might be the wrong job because you got to make tough decisions. Cap has a, a very interesting conversation with Wanda where he tells her something along the lines of like, maybe the next time that we worry about whether there's any casualties, no one gets saved. Yeah. And it's, I was like, it's, a it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful point. He's like, Yo, you, you, you do this job. You try to save as many lives as you can. Otherwise, no one gets saved. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah. Like, he kind of has it right there. Um, 
Well, the worst thing that can happen in that situation is the inaction. Yeah. Well, yeah. at least if you, like, at, at least if you took an action and it failed, then like that's it. Failure comes with the job sometimes, but doing nothing means nothing happens. And that's what what uh, Steve fears, right? He says, "What if we have to do something and they don't let us? What if, you yeah. know, what if we, what, what if a situation calls for us to help and we can't because we got to wait for permission? That inaction." And what if this is a greater threat than they can handle, but they still believe that, you know, some guys in JSOX can, can do it. Several, at several points, Ross threatens to send in a bunch of, a bunch of men. I didn't realize this until the yeah, like, he really now that did. I watch it now, there's like four different times where he's like, nah, screw it. You guys are off of it. I'm about to send a bunch of guys. And Tony's like, no, no, I got it. I got it. And then he'll come back around up. Oh, nope. I'm going to send a bunch of other guys. He's like, no, 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 because no. Because that no, was I the conversation it. he had with Steve. He's like, yo, you know, the next time this conversation is going to be had, it ain't going to be me with a, with a suit on. It's going to be a bunch of guys in AKs and. Because it's 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 believed, or at least portrayed in this film, that the whole skirmish between Iron Man and Captain America is being allowed out of the manners of of Ross, who is allowing them to have this conversation about whether or not this should be done. Because at various points he loses his patience and he's like, "Nah." I, but he I can't also do this said that the, that the accords are be are, were signed and are being ratified in seventy two hours. Like you guys can have this conversation, but yeah. the conversation only ends in one way. Yeah, Play so a game or go home. Have your fun while the time while the yeah. clock stops. All you're gonna do is either save your friend or put him in jail. One of those two things are gonna happen. Is you we're not. There's no you know if ands or buts about it. So, yeah. My man said, "No, you retire." That's it. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, yeah, because Black Widow tries to get like, a little. What happens if what happens you come to a decision you don't like? <laughs> well, then you retire. Matter of fact, and then he just walks away. Matter <laughs> of fact as hell. Love that uh, line delivery. Oh uh, man, William Hurt. William Hurt's a boss. Yeah. So. Steve starts to argue back with Tony, but is informed that Peggy Carter has passed away. We see him as a tearful pallbearer at the funeral, and he seems moved by Sharon Carter, Peggy's niece's eulogy, which spoke about not compromising even if everyone is trying to convince you to. After the funeral, Widow comforts Cap as the only one who attended the funeral with him. She lets him know that she she is set to sign the accords, and he apologizes, saying he can't, under good conscience, sign it. I won't lie. That was a tear. There was a there was a bit of a tearful moment there where she attends the funeral and like in the back, like he doesn't know that she's there, but he sees he notices at the end, and she's like, "I just didn't want you to be alone." Well, she he thinks she's there to convince him for the accords, and he goes, "I'm sorry, Nat. I'm I'm not. I'm just not going to do it." He's like, "That's and I love the fact that Sam was next to him too." Sam I love that small like, bro. Sam like, was right, like, on his, right on off his left. the heels. Right off the heels of Falcon Winter Soldier, all the Sam Wilson stuff is way better in this film. It looks so <laughs> much better. Yeah. Like, damn, he had he had his back, yeah. man. He yeah. had his back. Because the people who start shooting you usually start, start shooting, shooting me way after. God. Uh, so in Vienna, the UN meets for a conference to ratify the accords. It is in Vienna that we meet T'Challa, who approaches Widow before having a heart to heart with his father, the King of Wakanda, T'Chaka. During his speech, a bomb detonates, killing T'Chaka and causing dozens of casualties. Elsewhere, Steve and Shannon furt a bit, but are interrupted by Sam Wilson, who shows them the news coverage of the bombing, which is being blamed on James Buchanan Barnes, who was, quote-unquote, seen at the scene. At the scene of the crime, T'Challa tells Natasha that he will kill the murderer himself, and she advises Steve to stay out of it. Zemo, practicing with the book in his hotel room, Oh, that was it. In Bucharest, Bucky is living low profile but notices he's being watched. He sees a newspaper claiming he is the murderer and heads back to his apartment where Steve is already waiting. Um, Steve, I'm so glad we got all those fast travel points. Yeah, right? They were getting really, 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 really fast. And I, they, were, they were really killing it with their big old 
text, like location text. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting y'all thought y'all thought getting the kicks landing was ridiculous. Jesus God, uh, they were killing it over here. Um, so Steve warns that the police will come for him, but it's too late as they breach the apartment. The two old friends do their best to evade authorities without casualties. When suddenly Bucky is leapt on by bum 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 the Black Panther. Uh, as see as now realize because I'm not just watching it. Black Panther at several points tries to straight up just kill Bucky, like yeah, just that's it, murder him, take his head off his of his body at several points. But he's distracted there by gunfire. No any of it? No, no, he's distracted by gunfire. Uh, the former Winter Soldier takes off on foot with Panther on his tail and Cap coming up from behind him. They are stopped by War Machine and the local police, and the three of them are arrested. It is then revealed that the Black Panther is T'Challa, son of the slain T'Chaka. What do you got to say about uh, all that, Dan? That whole scene, man. Okay, fighting in the staircase and not trying to, the, not to kill nobody. The, the, the fighting in the staircase wasn't even the, the the full meal at that point. That's just the vegetables. That's just the carrots and the peas. You yeah. have the rice, which is the chase scene between a Black Panther and a Winter Soldier. You have you have the meat and the potatoes, which is the whole chase sequence through the underground tunnel. Bro, he picky uh, Bucky pulls a man off a bike and does like a three sixty. Doesn't again. cap like jump out of a spinning car yeah <laughs> yes he does he he goes right and like goes with the shield straight to the ground and then just starts running while the car is tumbling um uh, what's his name uh, sam throws black panther through the debris of a of a bomb yeah and he ends up catching mm-hmm. bucky at the tire now nah, the bucky motorcycle thing where he jumps off the motorcycle and flips it in midair son he <laughs> pulled a guy it. off of the motorcycle he just pulls it right off the motorcycle and just flips right on it and just keeps going i'm just Oh, it's Tony throw not Tony. Steve throws himself on a car. Yeah, on the police car that was like chasing him down while he was running. Throws himself on the car, gets in the car like that. You get whole... that obligatory after you know Black Panther jumps on Bucky and they tussle for a bit. Black Panther stands up and you get the hero shot. Like the sun's right behind yep. him and he stands up there. What do you think about this scene, GT? Oh, it, it, it's a great one. Like it's it's just a, a really fun car chase and they they find ways to use everyone's gimmicks really well. Um, I. I, for some reason, I always remember the conversation before it a lot more. I'm yeah. not even sure why, but I, I just enjoy, I sort of enjoy the tension of, like, Steve trying to talk Bucky out of doing something stupid, yeah. and, and, um, and, and Sam just being like, 30 seconds, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Steve. It was very Steve. tense. And, and to be honest, it, Come on, man. it's not proven in this instance as a matter of fact, it's definitely not proven because we see it later on that Bucky's cured. Right. You know, like, sure, Bucky may not have done this, but Steve is still talking to a very hostile murderer in that instance that could at any minute flip out and kill him. It shows him the amount of faith that he has in Bucky in this instance. And, and by every by every, uh, by every pretense, he's only innocent because we want to believe he is. Yeah, up until this point, there's no reason not to believe. Because well, you, you have the end credit scene from Winter Soldier where he's viewing his own memoriam in the Smithsonian. Yeah. So then right. by that point, he's now traveling and, and on his own because I, I think the dialogue he told Steve was like, he's like, do you know who I am? He's like, you're, you're Steve. He's like, oh, whatever. He's like, he didn't know who he but, was, but he but knew who I'm he saying, was. But I'm saying up until this point, we don't know what triggers the triggering, yeah. <laughs> if you will, I guess is what right. I'm saying. I want to uh, assume hits to the head. Yeah, we'll this, find out it's a bunch of words, seemingly. That's all you got to do. Say a bunch of words in command. Longing, and, and uh, freight train. Go flip the hell out. The um be old cartoon logic if you just hit him in the head again he's just <laughs> back. yeah if we hit him in the head and he lost his memory you just hit him harder and he'll gain it back 
I mean, I th- shouldn't it work it that way? I don't know. Pretty C- sure it should work CTE that way. CTE disagrees with you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I but yeah, I love I love that whole uh, Bucky thing. And then we slow down a bit. We get Wands and Vision flirting around. Uh, Vision does his best. Pepper Cash. Vision does his best to explain that people don't dislike Wanda. They're just afraid of her. It is also revealed here that Vision will not let her leave and has been told by Tony Stark to keep her there uh, out of fear of anything else ensuing, happening. Um, Where do you guys sit on the Wanda house arrest stuff? I mean, I think it's a good PR move. That's, oh, that's, all, like, that, that's all it else, is. It, it's, it's, know, like, a, oh, it's a PR well, we, move. But... Well, we locked her in her room, <laughs> everyone, so there's no nothing to worry like, about. Don't worry. She, she's she's uh, she's not going to be a problem to anybody. No, I don't know. I just, don't be all right. I don't think Wanda going out to the store at 9 o'clock at night to go get something to eat is going to be such a problem. Yeah. Oh, no. We saw how that worked out later. Yeah, yeah. We let her we let her move into a place in New Jersey and look what happened there when we let her do what she wanted to do. <laughs> she don't flip yeah, out and change yeah, the whole that, that was after a whole bunch of series of events. There's this a is... lot of events. There's a lot of events going on. But like she went out for one walk in the fifty war and Vision got stabbed. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They can't go nowhere. Yeah, okay, they did go for she a walk. In Brooklyn. Um I like that later on when they're talking about it. The the, the Wanda thinks is seemingly the like the last straw for Steve when they talk about that was the last straw when they talk about signing he gives him the fancy pen oh this is my dad's pen matching set he's gonna sign it yeah and then when he found out about Wanda oh, he was like whoa like he's like, he's like damn it Tony every time I think you're doing something and Tony's right. like there's a pool there's a movie theater like where she's being house arrested she it's bigger than most people's regular house. So don't even worry about it. But it was the, it's about the the so she's principles. just a kid. She's a weapon of mass well, destruction. Yeah. They don't grant visas to weapon of mass destruction. It's yeah. like, what did, you, what did you just go? No, yeah, yeah. no, I you do like just... that. She's just a kid line because Steve is a hundred years old. So Give everybody's a just a kid. Uh, no, they they both in that <laughs> moment in that specific five minute little scene. Oscar nominations, Oscar wins. Give them and it all only the means awards. something because we know all these people. You know, and that's what's amazing. Like we we have a relationship with all these people. By this point, this is what twenty sixteen. We've been following these guys for eight years at this point. Yeah, and like we know that Wanda is that Wanda has chosen to um get in. Wanda has chosen to be part of this team, be an Avenger, um, honoring her brother, do going going uh, uh after Clint. You know, like under his like little mentorship. Mm-hmm. Which is honestly, I it, it's so small in this movie, but I think it is really, really beautiful seeing Clint like be like the older brother to to Wanda. Yeah, um, and that those things, all those relationships, I feel like end up getting compounded. We end up, you know, like we just did a Wanda and Vision scene together, and we all know how that plays out uh, later in the future. So that is interesting there. Uh, so we did the vision of it all, no good conscience. So it is revealed that, oh, I did that. The heroes in custody are introduced to, uh, Deputy Task Force Commander of the Joint Counterterrorism Center, Everett Ross, played by... My man, Martin Freeman! Martin Freeman, uh, another, I guess, nameless, faceless drone, uh, in S.H.I.E.L.D.? Is he working for S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or this is no, like a government this is a thing. whole, this is a whole gov- it's a whole government thing. Okay. Because um, I think they explained it in Black Panther in some sort of way, but... Yeah. It's a whole government thing, huh? Uh, did you like him in, in this? Actually, I loved him in this. I felt like... Anytime where I get to see Martin Freeman just act, 
under somebody and somebody I could trust, like definitely like the Russos, mm-hmm. like like um, what's it called? His his whole uh rapport with everybody, the way he was just being a no nonsense, I'm taking no shit type of deal. Mm-hmm. It was it was very fun. It, you know, it was a it was more refreshing than than a <laughs> Thunderbolt Ross because. That Ross was very like a, a matter of fact. Where this one, as much as a matter of fact, he was, he was still very like um, jokey, very very jokey. Like there was a there's a point towards the end of the movie where he's like, you know, you breathe the wrong way, you get zapped. You touch the bars, you get zapped. Yeah, he definitely you, you has speak, a you get zapped. He has a sense of humor. What do, what do you think about Martin Freeman's inclusion in all this, uh, GT? Uh, uh I I had a lot of fun with him. I, I when he first got the spot, I was just like, oh, that's an that's an interesting cast for all of this. Yeah. And I guess I'm just, I'm so used to his sort of like British humor that I was like, it, it almost didn't fit in here for me at first with the casting, but um, he pulls it off. And I think I like him even more in Black Panther where he gets to have a little more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, no, but that's what's beautiful. I was like, you, we, we have this such serious movie and then we get, you know Martin Freeman. You get you get Watson from Sherlock Holmes. He's Jim on the yeah. the UK office. He's Bilbo Baggins in in, in the Hobbit. Like we get this man, Bilbo, that gets... Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> you get this man that comes in and he gets to be the actual comic relief. And yeah. as much yeah. as so as small as his scenes are, you still remember how funny he was when he was on screen. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, even though they were arrested, they, their handcuffs are off, their restraints are off, they're walking, they're getting to walk through. They're, everyone's about to have a big heart like, to heart. We have a nice, uh, we have a nice little office for you. It's better than a cell. Try not to leave it, please. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was funny. He's yeah. funny. Uh, please leave. Please yeah. try. Please. <laughs> Tony and Steve have a heart to heart, and Tony mentions that he and Pepper broke up over his constant need to be Iron Man, and he was hoping that signing the Accords would change her, you know, yeah, that's her mind about right. all that. Again, another thing that you did that now you want everybody to be on board with your next decision because you <laughs> messed up. Destroyed my suits, but then we had to wrap up Hydra, then Ultron, and then such I like and such how he was audio. like, I, I didn't want to stop. You know, I didn't stop because, well, I didn't want to stop. But that was still also a thing that came up in, you know, Endgame, too, where she's like, you know, I spent my entire life trying to get you to stop doing this. Like, you know, yeah. I'm not going to do it anymore. Just He likes the suit more than you, Pepper. Just get, get, Just get over it. it. Get with it. Nice little three-piece Tom Ford. Oh, wait, no, wrong suit. <laughs> he begs uh, he begs Steve to sign, but Rogers refuses once he finds out that Wanda is being held in custody. Tensions run high, and Roger denies the invitation to sign. Bucky is restrained and given a psychological evaluation. It would be the first. We'll end up seeing some more of that in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, but yeah, uh, he's given a psychological evaluation, but unbeknownst to the team... And the evaluator, unbeknownst to the team, the evaluator is Zemo, who uses an EMP to take out the power and the Winter Soldier commands to activate Bucky's murderous Winter Soldier alter ego. Yeah, there was something about that scene that that, that struck me weird. Like, now that I'm going back and watching it, I'm kind of wondering if, did he just mail that to them? Like, 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 Zemo just mailed it? And, or did he actually get, like, some kind of There's a carrier... Bit of- there's a bit of like a dark night to it where it's like if all these things didn't happen exactly the way that they were supposed to, that they wouldn't have happened at all. Um, what What is your understanding of the events, GT? Does Does uh, Zemo mail this EMP to to uh, what is it? To, to I think he just, he just mailed it to to a power plant. 
He because there was that point where you know he's in the hotel. He uh, mailed to, it to like the electrical grid, I guess. Yeah, he mails it area. to the electrical because even I don't even think that guy knew what it was, but it goes off, and then boom, EMP right. power outage. Yeah, as I was just one. That's what was when I was rewatching it Sunday. I was just wondering, wait, did he mail that himself, or does he have somebody helping him? Like, does he tr- did he trust somebody to drive it there? Who's Assumes the position of like this international FedEx. Well, that's another thing. I, I, on Pond Rewatch, they, you have that moment where they show the EMP in the, in the, in hotel. the hotel room. And I didn't remember what it was. I, honest to God, didn't remember. Yeah, I what thought, it was. I thought, I, me too. I thought like it was like the Vienna bomb. Like I was like, wait, yeah, I was like, what is, what is that there? And then, yeah, an EMP. I'm glad they didn't explain what an EMP was. So there's that. So then that happens, and it's just like, oh, snap. Okay, so now we have Daniel Brühl, my man Zemo, and shit's now going down. Right, right. And I love how he could just be so methodical with these. Like, I don't want to talk. I want to talk about your real home, James. Not, not oh, what is it, Siberia. Certainly or certainly not Russia, but your yeah. real, or something like that. Like, I want to talk about your real home. Pulls out the book, and it's just, here we go. Freight train, lawning, homecoming. 1997 or something like that and just and they do a good job of setting up that this is like a dangerous scene like the music ramps up cap seemingly starts to get no one knows what's going on yeah cap seemingly starts to get um you know the idea of what's actually going down so yeah it's an it's an incredible it's an incredible moment as you realize that this guy is now you know commanding the winter soldier or he's now you know about to unleash him um, so yeah, he uses the Winter Soldier commands and no longer in control. Bucky breaks out of his restraints and does battle with Sam, Steve, Widow, Tony, and T'Challa before trying to get away in a helicopter. Steve does his best to stop him and they are both sent crashing into the ocean. When they wake up, Bucky's arm is in a vice and Steve interrogates him as to why they are after him. Um, what do you think about Bucky against the world, GT? Yeah, like... <laughs> I, I, it's hard to imagine what kind of situation that puts you in, you know, if when you're only trying to get your own head together and everyone's trying to, you know, kill you right. or, or, or lock you in a small box. Right. Who do you think did the, did the best against them? The best against them. Yeah. What do you, what do you say, uh, Dan? Uh, honestly, uh, the one that held their, their one the most would probably be T'Challa. But yeah. really, none of them did, because yeah. like he was just he like Iron uh, uh, Tony comes with the Iron Man glove and takes a bullet to the point blank palm. Uh, you know, uh, what's it called? He blocks Black Widow's head scissors. He puts Sharon through a table. He kicks the hell out of Steve, is it? Like when he kicks him in the hallway shaft or something like that. Oh, he kicks him down the elevator. Yeah, he didn't even just put. He literally kicked him. Through I said an the elevator. hallway shaft. That doesn't even make sense. He kicked him through the elevator door down the elevator shaft. But yeah. I do love that shot, like right when he's coming out and he starts fighting Steve, and the camera goes through three rooms. Yeah. When it gets to the hallway, yeah. It would. It is probably one of my favorite shots of all comic books. Like it was just great. It was just fighting, fighting, fighting. Kicked right through. Kicked right through. Kicked right through. And they're fighting. Um, you know, is reminiscent of that very practical fights that they were having in Winter Soldier. Where yeah, they're both, you know, with that like knife throwing and all that kind of stuff there. Um, but yeah, it's seemingly, you know, they do that whole thing. They have that very heroic moment where Steve um, has the has the like he's he's literally 
the only thing standing in between him and Bucky. Um, oh, it's a helicopter. Yeah, with a helicopter holding him with that big ass bicep. Tore he tore his bicep, right? Or some kind of like he, in real life? Yeah, I think he tore his actual muscle in real oh life. Oh my god! Probably holding the whole franchise together. <laughs> Besides that, like I, I want to look it up because I think it actually is true that that uh, Chris Evans tore with his muscle doing that scene. But it's also crazy because that's another reason. That's uh, where Bucky goes back to normal. Falls into the well, helicopter, falls in the ocean, hits his head right on the freaking. So is it water? Is water what what gets the Winter Soldier back? Because I, I think it is water. Nah, it it totally might be water because water is what you know. He fell in water. Uh, he saved Steve from water in um, Captain America two, and then he falls into water here and gets deprogrammed. What do you think about that theory, GT? Water is what <laughs> makes Bucky go back to normal. Ah, uh, that's an interesting idea. It sounds like the uh, who did that gimmick? Was it? It was. Jessica Jones. No, it was Luke. Uh, what was it? What was it? What was it? <laughs> oh, Typhoid uh, Mary. Typhoid Mary. It was. Uh, Typhoid, uh, yeah. Yes, it was uh, Iron Fist yeah. season two. That's what it was. That's what it was. Okay, it was. It was one of those shows because they all jump around. Uh, yeah, that that it reminds me of that. So that's an interesting idea. I never thought of that honestly. <laughs> no, I keep wondering what it is because it doesn't seem like it's not hits to the head. It's not even like names like when they said bucky you got the whole no i think he cracked his, his whole his whole head on that helicopter dashboard oh, like i think it. like once he once the helicopter hits the water i think you the, the sound is on you hear him go like up like poof. yeah i love how you always get that really like uh industrial music that plays when he goes ham when he goes all oh, I, I love the winter soldier theme oh henry henry jackman is a is a king yeah this man did the, the first <laughs> class theme that the first class score like Henry Jackman is a king. Yeah, it's really it's really cool to see um take to, to like like now even when they play it in uh Falcon Winter Soldier like it's you have a Pavlovian <gasps> response to it. Yeah, it's just like, like this weird yeah. electronic driving uh force there. So it, it's, it's very much a it's very much a bad thing's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, get ready cuz something bad's about to happen. About I mean, my favorite score of that movie though has to be the airplane fight scene. The second they all fight together in oh, one group. The first helicarrier? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, like like after they start running up to each other and then they just fly at each other and start fighting, you get this like yes, this is this is it. This is every goosebumps all over. Goosebumps. Right. The score um, of this movie was phenomenal. Yeah, so such a uh, divisive scene for people. Yeah, it is. It is. Because uh, people are expecting the bigger, what you call it, the raft of it all. But I love, I love the airport well, scene. I feel both about. fights made sense for each medium. Oh, totally. Like, like in, in, the, in the Civil War comic book, if they would have done that airport fight scene with, with 10 Avengers against each other, no. Mm-hmm. I'd throw that book out and cancel it forever. I'd never read that book. But you had this giant, giant fight with everybody. It was awesome. This this made sense because these are the people we've been following. These are the these are the characters that that Feige and everybody has established for us. It yeah. wouldn't make sense if this kind of uh, they gave us Spider Man and Black Panther as new additions, and I think that was just enough because the story demanded it. But if you're going to start throwing in like Guardians of the Galaxy and, and you know Doctor Strange and now everybody in New York is coming to register themselves or not register themselves. Sure. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. It's going to be weird and just I would felt too overblown. 
Yeah, I think people from this moment, from here basically to Endgame, people are wondering and worrying about a uh, Marvel Netflix inclusion into all this. Assuming that if these things are as huge and sweeping, you know, Thanos and the snap and the registration, that there would be some fallout in into there. Uh, but they never; those guys never quite pop. I'm pretty up. sure Agents of Shield is the only one of this TV series that you know has consequences or details. From well, the they've movies. gone so many times in the past that now they are like basically in another in another timeline universe or whatever that is. Yeah, I still um, got to finish that show. <laughs> I got to start that show. Steve interrogates. Uh, there you go. Bu- Steve interrogates Bucky to find out why they're after him, and Bucky tells them that the Doctor was asking about the place in Siberia where he was kept during the missions because there are other super soldiers out there uh, having st- other super soldiers out there having stole the serum himself for Hydra. We see the footage of the elite fighting force hopped up on serum that is powerful and unpredictable. Bucky mentions that it could take a whole country down in one night. They mention that they are outnumbered, but Sam says he knows a guy. Back with Tony, Thunderbolt Ross scolds Stark for his inability to keep Rogers in check. He gives him 36 hours to bring them all in or he's sending in his own men. They also mention being out manned, but Tony has an idea and it is in Queens. Uh, yeah. And that's pop. where I came in. Yeah, huge pop. Yeah, huge pop as everyone, you know, Spider-Man had been somebody that had been kept away from the MCU up until this moment. His inclusion in the trailer was a humongous moment. All of this, everyone who was a Spider-Man fan was going to watch with their arms crossed because oh, this, the reacting verse was this going kid crazy had to, he had to prove something, you know, and not only prove something, but prove something in an established world where it's not uh, so easy. And also the bane of every person who has a bone to pick with modern trailers. Exactly. Yep. Because there you go. You show the whole <laughs> damn film right there in that instant. Basically did. I still say that if you wouldn't have shown that Spider-Man thing, it would have gotten a bigger pop from me. And, you know, like George likes to say, it's like the reason why you got to see Spider-Man in the trailer is why you get that pop of the Queen's title card. Me, personally, I would have popped with that Queen's title card if I didn't know we were going to Queen's. Because it's like, wait a minute, there's only one superhero in, in MCU in, in Marvel that lives in Queen's. No no superhero lives in Queen's in, in Marvel. Right. It's it's the rule of advertising. You, you, you show it to make the money. People are still going to show up. Of course they are. Right. You know, They've been died by the surprise. Do you remember um a George Will freaking TNT yelling at AEW? Right. I don't want a sting surprise. Yeah. You advertise sting. No, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like in general, there's been a couple of times that I've said like it would be really cool if this franchise had enough balls to do like a bare minimum trailer, you know. And I guess the closest thing sure. to a bare minimum trailer we probably got was Endgame. Where we really didn't get. Yeah. Oh, we got no. There was no. That wasn't even a trailer. <laughs> um. So, but it took them ten years. It showed a little more the like the second and third one. Yeah, it, but it took them ten years of goodwill. You know, you can't. You don't get to do that. I'll, sure. I'll, I'll no, of course, because I even feel black. The Black Widow trailer doesn't show what that movie truly is. No, but all I see is a lot of espionage yeah. and action sequences. Spies in disguise. That's all I want. <laughs> Peter Parker comes home to find, well, Tom Holland's Peter Parker comes home to find Tony Stark talking to his Aunt May, pretending to be there to gift Peter the September Foundation grant. Once they were alone, Tony shows him footage of a Spider-Man saving the day and asks if it's him. While also, Spider-ling. He also knows it's him, but he, you've got given the guy a chance to, to be an honest man. you got to bury the lead a little bit. It's true. Eventually, Peter admits to being Spider-Man and Tony recruits him to help take down Rogers and crew while also suggesting he get an upgrade. 
I really like this scene and these two together. Uh, you know, it's the beginning of that chemistry that you end up seeing in several films in the future. And it seems like Tony asks him why he wants to be a hero to gauge whether or not he's ready to be on the team. That feels like a very adult thing to do. Like, you know, ask a question to kind of feel like where the kid's at in his head. And I think that the answer that didn't just come out and say with great power come great responsibility ultimately uh, made Tony feel good about this decision. I still am not down with the decision of putting a little kid on the team like this, but to each his own, I guess. Oh, sure. It's, it's ethically, it's a terrible decision. Child soldiers, child soldiers, uh, Tony. You know, that makes yeah. him no more different uh, than Ciro. No, yeah. That makes same. him no more different than Ciro. Um, oh, dear. Um, I, I, I want to have a brief conversation about this, if only for the idea that I have found this scene to be a point of contention in the bigger spectrum. Okay. Um, there was an argument. There was an argument that it's almost maybe maybe not unfair, but like it, it brings up a difficulty about the MCU in the long one, where if you were someone who went into Spider Man, you don't get that moment of like Peter Parker explaining to you why he's Spider Man because it's in this other film. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, whole cloth, you don't get any kind of origin. You don't get no biting of the spider. You don't get no death of uh, uh, Uncle Ben. No, you don't. This is um, a kind of a non-traditional way to introduce this character. Um, Do you like it that way? Like, I know it's a bone contention. You've mentioned it. How do you feel about it? Uh, See, I didn't mind, but that's also like, it's it's for me in that sense because I've already committed. Okay. No, I, no I, by Civil War, I've already committed, so it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, you gotta watch every episode, I don't know what to tell you, but I, <laughs> I understand that for some people, it's like, if you're watching Spider-Man and you're not getting that Spider-Man moment, yeah, you can, like, uh, tough for you, but you might want to watch the other stuff he's in. Right, right. Um, what do you think about that whole Tony and, and Peter scene there, Dan? Oh, man, this, this was probably everything that I wanted out of the MCU like there are certain key moments from certain movies where it's like yep that's why I I enjoy this This is why I watch this This is why I am here seeing Tony Stark and Peter Parker in the same scene sitting down and having like this real conversation it's stuff that I've read before I've seen this stuff in in drawn on panels and cartoons it's like my god here we are Tony Stark and Peter Parker and this isn't some 20-year-old, 30-year-old Peter Parker. This isn't Tony Stark and Peter Parker of Parker Industries going, you know, at it with each other of who's better technology. No, this is a kid. Listen, Parker Industries was a good idea. It was a great idea. What do you... Uh, okay. you, don't, you don't mind the Iron Man Jr.? Uh, I mean... I mean that, you, that's never been a criticism for me, but that's a big... It's kind yeah. of... It's kind of uh, I don't know. Iron Man Jr. is a bit of a stretch. I feel like... Some, you know, he's going to attach himself to some kind of father figure, and if it isn't going to be Steve, it's going to be Tony. Yeah. And the way it was done here was was brilliant. This is this is Tony seeing himself and in someone younger, with more capabilities than he had, with a brighter future than he had, and he's and re- I guess recruiting a kid is unethical, <laughs> but this is also a kid that can literally catch a three ton. SUV speeding at like 50 miles an hour. Do you think in recruiting him, they had like, he had the idea of that, of that airport fight in mind? Or I, is he just getting this kid so he could 
Web up people. I like, think he yeah, just wanted him to keep, web up keep distance hands and web up. And, and, and restrain people, I guess. Yeah, that's why he called called him in to grab the shield away. Mm. He's like, nope, I'm just yeah. going to need you to just come in and grab the shield. Yeah. Which I love how it was done in Homecoming from his perspective, where he's just in the back of like oh, this. Oh, because he he's filming the whole thing. It's like, oh my God, look, look, I'm over here. I'm You see Iron Man? And you see Captain I just love that he has like, he has like young man ADD where he's like, he's not paying attention to the ball. Yeah, yeah. Yep, he's like, oh wait, I gotta go. I'll be right back. <laughs> he got to go do that. That was the signal. Yeah, that, that was really. Yeah, under ruse is the whole. <laughs> under ruse. He's like, oh, I gotta go. I'll be right back. Jumps and he's like, hey, um, uh, what was I was gonna say, I have this like this this interesting thing about it to the. Um, oh yes, my thing with the with the with the Iron Man thing is sort of like. It reminds me, George, my understanding is, Dan, you will, when you finally read the book I've been telling you to read for the longest time. <laughs> um, it reminds me a lot more of Ultimate Spider-Man, which I don't think people will understand until people get further down the line, where yeah. you actually get to spend time with his father figure. Right. Yeah. So you kind of Because get in every that... other version of Spider-Man, Uncle Ben's dead. Yes. Um, Within moments. This one doesn't even take a second to talk about old Ben. Right, so right, no, but it does do. But I, like you get a, you what? get the surrogate version of Uncle Ben. But the point is that in this time you get to actually see Peter spend time with that figure. Yeah, yeah, and that that creates a alternate. And I don't know if that's something that would. Right, I don't think that's something that will be respected until like three more Spider-Man movies down the line. Right. Yeah, and he's fundamentally starting off at a different point. Like he got a, a, basically an invitation to the Avengers, the first his first <laughs> yeah his first go through, you know, um, which is way different than how that character is in, portrayed in the comics. I will say I didn't notice that I got a just as frustrating with great power comes great responsibility as in the the Amazing Spider Man one. I think that I think this one's worse. It, that's what I was gonna honest. say. I think this was this. He's like, like you know, the when, second one they tried really hard not to say. But the it. bad guys do a thing, and you know, and you, you have the power to stop it, and you don't stop it, and yeah. you know, the bad things happen. That's your fault. I'm like, wait, kid, what are you saying right yeah, now? Yeah, like, just, it's like I, I love Martin Sheen's version. the thing. Get rid of it. Damn right. No, like for real. If you're not gonna, if you're not going to actively say, with great power comes great responsibility. Don't give us these long ass convoluted monologues that literally mean. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Say it or don't. That, that's it. Like, yeah. Leave Make it alone. You know, like that whole when the bad guys do bad things and you can stop the bad things. <laughs> like, yeah, he, and he has kind of a makeshift costume that we'll end up seeing in uh, his film. Oh yeah, so. at the end, the climax. I forgot we get we get that, which is actually funny. I don't know if you guys ever played the, the Spider-Man mobile game, but it was kind of like Temple Run and Subway Surfers. Really? But it was for Spider-Man. Mm. Okay. It was a Spider-Man free run game. And you got that costume before it well, that's what it looked like. Before that movie even came out, they had like hundreds of costumes from Spider-Man you could get. I missed that actually. I'm gonna see if I can Those find Spider- that. Game. I mean most Spider-Man games are freaking amazing. <laughs> so So and, yeah, and, and this is like a temple run with Spider-Man. Spider-Man. The most recent one is like the best Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hear them say. Don't hear. Don't, don't hear them say. Uh, t- say that. Uh, let, so, let him come at me. Uh, out of, look, he's out of control. Come, go at GT people. Ah. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Fight with me over Spider-Man PS4. Sure. <laughs> at the Avengers compound, Clint Barton attempts to rescue Wanda from Vision, 
but realizing that she is the only one capable of defeating him, uh, she uses his density against him, which that I didn't realize the first data. time. I didn't realize that's what he was doing the first time that I saw this. Now that I'm looking back, I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, she, she made just, him heavier. She made him yeah. so heavy, he literally breaks through the floor. It, it wasn't that she was breaking the floor with Thunder or even pushing him down. That's what I always thought she was. She was pushing I him down. I thought he was pushing him down. But no, like, yeah, no you see him that there, there is no like a uh, red. It's print. cracking under his weight, the floor, because he's getting denser. And I love how she like she pulls the, his molecules so apart that uh, Clint falls right through his arms. Oh yeah, because that's what she does. She like pulls all of his molecules apart and then pushes them she was so around close with his together. Tangibility, if you will. It's like, oh my god, this is great. And I don't know the whole him coming into defender and he has Clint always has trick arrows and nobody gives this man his credit to the fact <laughs> that every time Hawkeye is on screen, he has trick arrows. The thing is though, Vision could have killed this. That's man. a thing for everything. Vision could have killed this man. No, he could have. Uh, oh, when, when he does that thing where he, like, tries to kick him and Vision just, like, goes tangible so the foot goes through him and then he just, like, chokes him, like, yokes him. I'm like, yo, you yeah, are so... He hit him with the with, with the nightstick and he, like, puts his tangibility to, to hold his arm yeah, in place. Yeah, and at one point he does get a strike with the nightstick, but the guy's made out of vibranium. So, it, nothing happens. He just looks at him he like he's crazy. He just looks at him like he's you crazy. You can't stop me, Clint. But she can. That, that's, like a, that's like a trope <laughs> at this point. Uh, but yeah, she, she makes her escape with Hawkeye after sending him crashing through several floors of the building. Um, Black Panther joins Team Iron Man in an attempt to find his father's killer. Sharon gives, uh, Steve his shield back and Sam's wings, having stolen them for the squad. This is the ensuing incident that will have her, uh, become a fugitive to the law. Uh, so as they share a kiss and the boys jeer... And we never talk about her again. Realize that the rest of her life. I'm not a fan that they made her. Um, is miserable. What's his, what, what's his face? Is not role, but no one's ever been actually it. Uh, what, what? Who is she in Winter so- Falcon and Winter Soldier? What name did they give her? The again? Power Broker. Yes, that was it. Because I remember the first time I read the Power Broker was reading Fractions Hawkeye, and that was a whole. Was she in it? That that with Matt. He was. I think he was either in it or or um. Madam Mask. Madam Mask was in it, but I think he was mentioned, or you see him. Doesn't he have like a all white face and wears a suit? Power broker, I could have like this weird all might have been, but I know I do know that he is somebody who goes out there and gives other people powers. I don't know why she is that, and I don't know where she's gonna end up in that role. But yeah, right now she's seemingly down for the team. You would have thought that she would have been in one of. Listen, the White Wolf's a completely different character. Just accept it. (laughs) Another another thing is seemingly, um, you know, they they only have room for one. Blonde super spy on the team on, on Steve's I guess team. So. <laughs> so only one of us do head scissors here. After yeah, only one of us could get could do the hurricanrana. That's it. It's one at a time. People figure it oh, out. Oh dear. Which I love that. In uh, every time she tr- uh, widow tries to do the head scissor takedown on Bucky, he always stops it. Every time she does goes to do the head scissor, he just puts you don't it. understand. I have also been trained in the lucha libre arts. <laughs> I mean, they were seemingly trained <laughs> under the same people. Hydra. Unless are, are we going are, are to go that route? I don't think did they ever go that route with Natasha. No, no, it's Red Room. It's red. It's just it's just the Red Room. They never actually went. Yeah. Because I remember. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's any real connection between Hydra and the Red Room. If there is, I think it's negligible. I've never heard of one. It, there's all apparently there's all kinds of evil people. I could have sworn she was a Hydra agent turned Shield agent, double agent. No, she's a Russian spy turned Shield agent. Yeah. I don't know if she's ever done the dealing Back in the day where Russian spies were the thing we did. Or dabbled. Because um, everybody wanted to be a Russian spy in those days. 
I mean, yes. free pierogies. You can't you can't go wrong with free pierogies. Until until, free until you met until you met you know Mr. Bond and Mr. Bond changed your ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what love could do. Um, in Germany, Caps team That's comes. That's what we call it. <laughs> in Germany, ta- uh, Caps team comes together as Hawkeye brings Wanda Maximoff and Ant Man to meet Bucky, Sam, and Steve. The team suits up, hoping to take down the super soldiers in Siberia by helicopter. But it turns out Tony Stark beat them to the airport. Um, so we are going to. Uh, I love how you always run into people at the airport. Right? It's fantastic. It's so funny. Um. Uh, yeah. So he disables the chopper. Tony does. This is what starts off the biggest part of the film, and flies in with Rhodey and T'Challa, demanding that Steve stand down, but Rogers tries to explain the issue with the other super soldiers. As he runs out of patience, Tony calls on Spider-Man in a new suit to take the shield from Cap. Uh, Tony seems betrayed that Steve won't just turn himself in, and Ant-Man's arrival calls for a full-on fight between the teams. The fight gets crazy with the debut of Giant-Man, Vision choosing to help Wanda, and Black Widow turning on her team by disabling Black Panther's suit and letting Steve and Bucky get away on the Quinjet. It is not without its casualties as Rhodey is accidentally shot out of the sky by Vision and the fall causes the pilot to be paralyzed. Steve and Bucky have their first heart-to-heart on the Quinjet as Rhodes uh, goes in for an MRI. So I did that very shortly so we can gush at our length about things. My favorite part about this every single time I watch it is that Steve really thinks that... I mean, sorry, Tony really thinks that he could have just um, got Steve in. Like, he really underestimated how dug in his heels Steve was. So when he does that whole, like, you know why you're going to come with us? Because it's us. It's not the cops. It's not anyone else. It's your friends. I really felt that. I was like, damn, like... He really feels betrayed in this moment. Like, he really... And all of he that... Says, I, I'm trying to stop you from tearing the Avengers apart. But all of that, all of that conversation is... is Like, that Steve is doing is to stall. Tony's literally doing this conversation. Yeah. But Steve's only stalling. He's waiting for everyone to get into position so that they can, so that they can keep doing what they do. It's almost kind of sad that, like, Steve was already getting all these machinations and Tony thinks he's having a, a legitimate heart-to-heart yeah, with, Steve, was like, with just, Steve in that moment. I'm just waiting. Just waiting for the right moment because he pulls... He's like, you know what? I'm getting tired of this Spider-Man. Spider-Man grabs the shield, but then he had Ant-Man chilling on his shield the entire time. Yeah. He's like, hey, uh, what's... You in position, Lang? Yep. Uppercut goes So it's just to- about waiting for that moment. Literally. Because you are, you even had, um... What's it called? Uh, Wanda and Hawkeye chilling on an... Ex- on a, what do you call that? Like, whatever that point is. Some kind of, like, um... E point or something. Yeah, shoots the arrow to get the the webbing off of Steve's hand. So it's like everybody was in position the way, and that's what warrior uh, soldiers do. Yeah, that's what the you know military men do. Like Steve knew what to do. He's like, I need you over here. I need you over here, and I need you over there. When things go wrong, I'll give you the signal. And he gave him the signal. And it's like, bam, they went after it. What was your favorite part of the airport fight, uh, GT? Um. Oof, that's a tough one. <laughs> what, stand, uh, what stands out to you? What, 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 what do you, what do you remember fondly? You know, you know, it, I, I, I feel bad because it's a big emotional scene. It's a really cool fight scene. Um, I, I always find myself remembering just the, the, the occasional sprinkles of silliness. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> it's just like, like, oh, little guy's big now. Little guy's big. <laughs> yeah, the giant man of it all. That was a fantastic moment there. The, uh, my name is Clint Barton. I don't care. 
of it all. Oh, I love yeah. that Wanda tells Tony, like, you locked me in a room. Like, you hurt Vision's feelings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, like, Clint, you couldn't do anything else, whatever. It's like, yeah, I already tried the retirement life. I shot, what is it? I shot, I shot 18. Eight. I played 18, shot 18. Yeah. Couldn't seem to miss. Yeah, yeah, like all of that. Yeah. Like, they were at the quip. The, um, Even though they're fighting each other to the death, they're at their quip. Oh, my favorite quip was when uh, Ant-Man is in Iron Man's suit. And he's ripping apart all of his, like, uh, this is fire. Your conscience. Yep, that's my favorite. It's like, well, we haven't talked in some time. Like, yo. All of that, all of that. It is great. The comedy was where we needed to be because in this moment, we are watching our friends fight. We are watching the Avengers literally go mano y mano with each other. We couldn't see that. We couldn't sit through this whole thing with, with it being serious all the way through, drama all the way through. You're you're gonna start feeling dour. You're gonna start feeling sad. It's like, yo, this is tragic. But then we got the jokes, and it's like, okay, now we can we but can laugh. We there can... are people who have an issue with that, though. There are people who say that Marvel's inability to, you know, kind of stay on the <laughs> like when things get dark, stay on the darkness. Um, that they they yeah. joke around to undercut. Uh, I think I don't care. I think it's perfect, actually. But it's like, the again, perfect I'm, balance. I'm trying to speak for those who are not on the on the cast and have an issue with uh. With that. <laughs> but, but again, I don't really care. Um, was, I, I I especially appreciate just you know the moment that made me want the TV show more than anything, which is uh, Bucky and Sam playing yep. up against each other. Just like he couldn't have done that earlier. I hate you. <laughs> yep, that's the whole. That's the whole show. That's that's the show right there. That's hilarious. Or them running. He's like, hey, who's that guy? Everyone has a gimmick now. It's like that stuff is great. The like fact everyone knew at that moment. It's like, oh, we need this buddy cop. No, but yeah, but the fact that they were that they were together the whole time, like Sam was trying to get extraction point. That's what the Sam. The fact that Sam was trying to get Bucky to the extraction point, and he was the only one with him. It's like, damn, these are little sprinkled details that we're gonna get in Falcon and Winter Soldier later. So like when that series ends and you see those two overlooking the sunset, you look back and it's like they were in Civil War fighting with each other. Well, not yep. with each other, but fighting alongside each other while Sam was not understanding why this man was so important. It's interesting. Like you said, it's, it's like humble beginnings. Like these are the, the, these two have both chosen, like even the fact that Sam is sticking with Steve in this moment is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. There are two trained Iron Man suits flying around, blowing people up. All my boy got his wings and some nines and he is sticking by Steve in this moment because he feels like that, that's thing. And of course the, amazing uh heel turn face turn depending on how you feel about it of widow widow choosing in that moment to be with uh cap and choose team cap i think is an amazing and a huge moment um in all this i think it's uh it says a lot about that character and i like her better when she's written by the russos in my opinion um and i like her with cap i like them being boys or friends or whatever you want to call that so they fight, they fight, they fight. Basically saying you just like her better when Joss isn't writing lines about her hanging out with the boys. Yep, or people ain't falling on her boobs. Because he likes to have people falling on each other's <laughs> or boobs. Or how she's always picking up after everybody. It, uh, well, that, that was the line I was referring to, yes. Oh, oh no. Uh, that line. You, up boys, you boys, you boys, they do it. They do it with with uh, Tony in this, where he's like, "Am I writing a? Am I uh, hosting a bed and breakfast for, for a biker, biker gang? gang?" He's the he's the, well, the I mean, nanny. In, in, in all honesty, who puts? 
What grown adults put coffee grounds in, in, in a garbage disposal? Maybe that's the kind of thing you used to do back in 1950, <laughs> whatever the hell. It's like, like, come on. Like, I, I, I will have to give him his credit on that. I was like, listen, if, if someone, if I let you in my house and you're literally putting like, you know, eggshells in my garbage disposal, I'm going to get real upset. <laughs> you're real upset. Is that it in his house, though? That's like one of the many houses he probably owns. Not saying that you should disrespect just because he has many houses, but you get what I'm trying to say in that instance. You totally I think it's it. the principle of doing something so ridiculous. But also, he's he's being petty in that instance. He doesn't care about any sure. of that stuff. He's just bringing it up because he's upset. So and it's, like, it's a great segue for him to throw his phone onto the the fruit tray yeah. and bring up the, the face of a dead kid. He was just waiting yeah. for his moment. He was waiting for his freaking moment. That's why, that's why none of that makes sense to me. Um, he's good at that. Yes. Uh, I still, yeah, I still get mad just at the thought of him being like, oh, so you guys don't even know his name, huh? He didn't go to Paris or uh, Florida like we were, I would have done. He didn't we go to Amsterdam like sounds cool. Isn't that the line? So, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we dropped a building on him when we were kicking ass. Like, pay attention, you just dropped a building on him. Like, shut your... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 like, I like that all there. Drop so, the building on Tony, that was your fault. You feel me? Like literally, like literally. Wanda, Wanda, the problem that we have, you said is with Wanda. You caused Wanda to have no parents because your damn bomb blew up and killed the parents. Then she decided that she was going to team up with a murder robot. You know who made the murder robot, Tony? You did. You literally did all of this. There's no need. There's no need to come to Cap, at Cap's neck for none of this. So figure it out. But anyway, Tony's AI finally gives him all the info. His great AI that's taking all this damn time to be like, Oh, sir, by the way, it was actually this guy named Zemo who did all this. Um, all the inf- info points to Helmet Zemo, Sokovian intelligence officer for the framing of James Barnes. I like to feel like the L is silent in there because my man never takes an L. Helmet? I feel like that he- L is silent, Helmet. so I call Helmet. him Helmut. Helmet Zemo? Helmet Zemo. Um, my man takes no L's. Zemo travels to Siberia and opens up the facility Bucky used to <laughs> you do oh, With, was, uh, Turkish delight my son's favorite it's irresistible oh god with all of his new info Tony visits the super prison known as the Raft, where he is told by Ross he can't be trusted Wanda, Clint, Scott, and Sam are inmates in the Raft, and they give Tony shit for his hand and all this oh uh, Clint was the I loved I totally forgot that that happened so when yeah. they go to the Raft and all you hear is the futurist the futurist, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> yeah, he knows what's best for everybody, even when we don't. Like, was, it's like, damn, you sound defeated there. Yeah, Clint. and then Tony, Tony kind of gives him shit back. Like, well, you had you had a family. You should have probably thought about yeah, your yeah, decisions. You should have thought about your kids before you were choosing the wrong side. Like, and he was like, Whoa! you mother. <laughs> He's like, you mother. And then the whole thing about, uh, you know, Hank Pym told me never trust the Stark. Uh, who, who are you again? The second, oh, I, the, basically the second, I don't <laughs> Come care. On. Come on, man. I was, I, and I, Sam, with the you gonna have to go mark Furman on my ass to get some information. I'm like, I really forget. I really forgot that part where he agreed to tell them where Steve yeah, was, too. so long as he chose to go by himself. That's that's a real pivotal mm-hmm. part there. And it was a and to, I love that Tony. Like I, I was like I said it out loud. I was like, oh, AV audio visual. You knocked out the A and the AV. He knocked yeah. out the audio. I was like, so oh. they can't hear anything. And that's when Ross is like, oh the hell, I can't hear anything. Um, so yeah, I, I like that he got him to agree. I to love that go he was gonna friends. go there to to extend that olive branch. They were good. This is the second time in that movie where one of the two that were versus each other was going to extend the olive branch. The other one was gonna agree 
and then something happens and catastrophe strikes. Yeah, because we realize mm-hmm. that it's not it's not even about this. There's so much more at the surface, and we get there here. Bucky and Cap find a location in Siberia and also find Iron Man there. The three agree to keep things kosher until they find and defeat Zemo. As they traverse the area, they see each of the elite super soldiers in stasis tubes with gunshots in every one of them. We also see that the Black Panther is there as well. Zemo does his monologue, mentioning he's lost everyone and so will Captain America. He explains that by destroying the Avengers from within, they will not be able to come together again. Suddenly, Tony is shown the events of December 16, 1991, and we realize that Bucky's targets that night were the Starks. I wonder Maria how many people were Howard. born that day, and when this movie came out, they and were like, oh my god, that's forever. my birthday! So, I, I don't know the day, but I was watching the thing yesterday, and December 1991 is when, um, is when like Todd McFarlane and them leave for Image Comics. <laughs> So I don't have the date, but it'd be funny as hell if it was December 16th. Also, I'm pretty sure December 16th, 1991 is not the death of the parents so much as the the what's the headline from the newspaper cuz wasn't the wasn't the or wasn't the date in Winter Soldier on the newspaper different than December 16th? The date was the 17th because the newspaper came out the day after. The date well on the So newspaper. they killed them on the uh, December 16th and the newspaper comes out December 17th in the morning saying that the that the can't believe they got that because I have the newspaper in the thing. It came in one of my uh, like. It's so crazy that they got the news out like that in 1991. Like these people die at like two o'clock in the morning, and by six a.m. they're already ready to print the headline. Like Dan, Dan, when famous rich white people die, everyone knows instantly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, everyone knew when Princess Diana died. They already had that newspaper like ready to go. No, but they never, even, <laughs> they never even caught the Winter Soldier that did that. So <laughs> it shows you. <laughs> It shows you that they're not keeping their priorities. In check. You feel know I me? Mean? Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Winter you Soldiers heard it here. It was the Winter Soldier. That killed Princess t- Diane. Proved to me it wasn't. Not John Malone. Bucky John killed Howard and Maria Stark so as to steal the serum for Hydra. And Tony sees this footage clear as day and demands to know if Rogers knew. When Steve eventually says yes... Uh, Tony knocks him out and goes to try to murder Bucky, which Steve does his best to try to I stop. Can't believe he, I still can't believe he really knew. But here's the argument, and we've had this argument a million times, but we might as well have it on air. My mm. interpretation of this scene was always that Steve didn't know black and white, but had enough of the knowledge to put the put it together. That's how I've always interpreted it. Yeah, but they even it. have, in in the letter that he, that he gave to Tony when he gave him the phone, he says, I, I thought sparing you, I was sparing, I thought by not telling you I was sparing you, but but really I was just sparing myself. Because so like, that tape we all saw for the first time, including Tony, we never saw when he got the full story about his parents being killed by the thing. They only had that one line in Winter Soldier. Accidents happen. Where it says accidents happen and you see Bucky and you see like the Starks or whatever. But it, it mm-hmm. made it seem I'm like sure Hydra. Steve knew. But that's what I'm saying. I think Steve put together, put it together in that instance. But I don't think someone straight up told him. Oh, no, no, no. No, he wasn't told. Hey, By the guess way, what? Bucky killed the, the Starks. And he's like, oh, damn. The, the inference was made and the inference was clear. If we put it together, Lord knows the soldier did. Right. And then he chose to not tell Steve. Because he didn't want to believe. Which Bucky is what I kind of find funny about people who deny how, like, how that scene works. It's like, we put it together. What makes you think we're smarter than he is? No, that's 100% how I took it. I always took it as he didn't know as in he didn't know the entire time, but she, he had sure. enough of the evidence to put it together. And, um, 
I think that's why he answers it no and then yes. Not no out of fear of Tony, but no, like, I wasn't involved in it, you know? But yes, I did know about it. Uh, it makes it even sadder going back and watching the first Captain America movie. It's like Bucky and Howard shared a scene together. They were partying together in one of those uh, things where, uh, I think, uh, what's it called? Bucky was flirting with, whatever, uh, right? with, Sh- with Sharon. Yeah, that like expo or, or Peggy. whatever, where they went to the bar. Yeah, but it was also during in part of the in like the middle of the movie after the guys got rescued by Steve. Okay. <coughs> yeah, yeah I mean, they they knew each other, so it makes it even sadder when he looks at him. He's like Sergeant Barnes. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then you hear Maria in the background screaming at Howard, saying, "Save her, please save her." I'm like, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, and then he chokes her to death. Bro, this rewatching this scene, I'm like, what? How did they manage to pull off the emotions they managed to pull off? Like. This is crazy right now. But they did it. They freaking did it. So, no, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that they were able to bring out all those emotions. Because now we have somebody in a, in a, in a rage. He's in a freaking... He's pissed off Iron Man. He's set to kill. He doesn't give a damn. So, um, Tony is laser focused on killing Barnes and Steve. Stopping him at his every attempt. Uh, when Tony destroys one of the only ways out, the three are forced to do battle on ground. Iron Man is overwhelmed by the super soldier team, and Bucky tries to remove his arc reactor from the suit, but gets his arms blown off for good measure. Outside, Zemo continues to listen to the voicemail of his loved ones, and is confronted by T'Challa as Black Panther. Zemo explains that it took him two days to find the bodies of his family after the events of Age of Ultron. He knew he couldn't kill the Avengers, but if you can get them to kill each other, maybe it would make things right. First non-superpowered man to do it. Only, yep. non, for, only non-superpowered man to do it. He apologizes for killing T'Chaka and attempts to kill himself, but Panther stops him, ensuring that he will be arrested and tried for his crimes. Steve and Tony continue to go at it, uh, with Steve choosing to stand in front of Bucky against Stark. Stark gives him a final warning, but Cap says he can do this all day. Stark goes to give him the killing blow, but he is stopped by Bucky, who is knocked out for his troubles. Seeing an advantage, Cap knocks down Tony and rains haymakers on him until he breaks his helmet. In his rage, Steve raises the shield for the killing blow, but chooses to pierce Tony's armor instead. He grabs Bucky and goes to leave when Tony yells that he doesn't deserve the shield. His father made him. That's crazy that now looking back, seeing that fight, and then remembering Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Walker and Cap had the same kind of emotional rage there for a second. Yeah. That but was you could see the difference of that was why difference. is one is Captain America and why one wasn't Captain America. Totally. He could have just struck the ground, and he didn't. He cut this guy's head off. Yeah. Cap could have killed him and didn't. Could have killed that He ass. literally could have killed Tony Stark if he wanted to. He never wanted to. He never wanted to, but he he says he doesn't deserve the shield. Rogers drops the shield and walks away. He's leaving. like, you're right. I don't deserve the shield. Fuck. He, he left Fuck his it. ass cold and alone in Siberia and defeated. We see Zemo in custody. Uh, and Tony visits War Machine when Tony gets a package. It's a phone with a uh, it's a letter also, um, and yeah, we, we we the letter is played over a scene that shows Steve breaking his team members out of the raft, but also telling Stark that no no no, no 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 he didn't break he didn't break them out. He definitely didn't break all of them out. He only broke out Sam. I don't want to hear it. Wait, where whoa? No, he only broke out Sam and, and Wanda. Sorry, sorry. He broke out Sam and Wanda, and you know that he broke out Sam and Wanda. Is because Wanda was with them in Infinity War. So the only one he didn't break out is Clint. Clint and Ant Man because they got house arrest. 
That was their right, con- right, right. that was their yeah. consequences. He only broke out Sam and Wanda and Clinton. Ant Man got house arrest. Yeah, and then eventually Widow will join because his ranks. it's his be- it's his his second best friend and the little kid that he's trying to protect. <laughs> She's like, you know, what? let me break out the little kid and, and the guy that's, that's actually here for me and has my back through thick and thin. That's his uh, Spider Man. The other two, now nah, the other two can stay. I don't really know you. Like, well, in fairness, there's, there's, I mean, yeah, there's, there's no way to really tell, like, if they hadn't gotten those deals before he got there, but... Yeah. No, yeah, like, what if, what if, like, Sam and Wanda were ready to be, like, you know, taken out of custody tomorrow morning, and now they're, now they're back to being enemy of the states, because this guy just had to rescue them. That's what it is. I mean, Vision would eventually find Wanda wherever the hell she is oh, anyway. Vision, yeah, Vision so, probably would have, would have broken her out on his own. Let's go, but let's go to this uh, letter that he sent him, though. Tony, I'm glad you're back at the compound. I don't like the idea of you rattling around in a mansion by yourself. We all need family. The Avengers are yours, maybe more so than mine. I've been on my own since I was 18. I've never really fit anywhere, even in the army. My face in people, I guess. Individuals. And I'm happy to say that for the most part, they haven't let me down. Which is why I can't let them down either. Locks can be replaced, but they sh- but maybe they shouldn't. I know I hurt you, Tony. I guess I thought by not telling you about your parents, I was sparing you. But I can see now I was really sparing myself and I'm sorry. Hopefully one day you can understand. I wish we agreed on the accords. I really do. I know you're doing what you believe in and that's all any of us can do. That's all any of us should. So no matter what, I promise you, if you need us, if you need me, I'll be there. He and, really is the greatest interpretation and of he, a comic book character. And those speeches, man, are absolutely amazing. Um, Even Rocket was like, he gives pretty good speeches. <laughs> yeah, he, he kills it. Uh, we're going a little uh, late on time, but... Yeah, the mid credit scene is Bucky going to his Wakandan rehab, you know, his Club Med for uh, Wakanda. Uh, and T'Challa promises mm-hmm. that he will be safe there by saying, let them try in response to whether or not people could breach Wakanda's borders. Well, actually, maybe that If is... only we could all take cryogenic naps. Yeah, now, right? that, now that I think of it, maybe that was what makes sense. Maybe that is the straw that broke the camel's back for Wakanda. And what T- T'Challa is thinking that he's doing is what is right. Because when his father was doing the UN and stuff and mm. trying to defend outside forces, people died and he died. Yeah. Maybe this was... Well, no, the straw that makes the camels back is Killmonger, but... He eventually will... No, that, that will eventually camels. be the, the fully broken back, but it's yeah. like, what I'm saying is like... He see, has reason to act the way that he has because of the events Because like, in Black Panther, you see that Wakanda is very closed off, very to themselves, and maybe this these events are why. I lost my father because we were we were meddling in affairs that we had no business in. The biggest part is the fact that Wakandan steel is being used very nearly as a propaganda tool. You know, like that's one of their bigger issues is the shield. The shield was stolen, <laughs> stolen vibranium, and they fucking yeah. Because I even says like my my father made that shield, and I'm like, sir, did your father make that shield, or did your father make that shield the the way Christopher Columbus made America? <laughs> I like how they set up Black Panther though, and then we get the end credit of Peter. But, um... Downplaying his journey. But no, there's um, there's an embassy in that building. That's why the Wakandans are involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were blown up in Lagos. That was the whole beef. There was some of their members were in that Lagos. No, explosion. that's what I'm saying. Like the, the maybe the fact that his men were blown up in Lagos and his father was killed in Vienna is why Wakanda is very close right, off the way you see in Black Panther. Like you, you, you were discussing like them being involved in something they shouldn't have been. I was like, no, they were involved because their people died. So yes, yeah, that's why I forgot that some Wakandans died in Lagos. Yeah, they got beat. They got uh, they got their um, they got reason. They got stake in the game. Uh, like I said, the end credit is Peter downplaying his Germany experience, <laughs> where he acts like it, all this happened like in school with a guy named Steve and <laughs> and uh, he got you know, punched Ant-Man. by a really big guy, a really 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 big guy. Yeah, 
Um, like I said, some of the bigger issues, uh, some of the bigger changes and differences is there's no big ensuing incident. This is all over Bucky, and this is all Zemo with the, you know, with the, what do they call it, puppeteer uh, tools. <laughs> yeah, basically, the Sokovia Accords is like a, like a MacGuffin in a sense. It was, it was just there to get you there. Yeah. And then here's the real reason why we're all doing this. Yeah. Bucky. Right. Zemo. You're, they, uh, they're fighting for the heart and soul of one person, seemingly, and it's one person's rage that's caused this entire event. So this story becomes way more personal in comparison to the comics. But if you liked it at all, I would suggest trying to read as much of that humongous sprawling event in the comics as you can. It's going to be different strokes for different folks, but check it out. Uh, it, there's definitely some some real good stuff in there. Just like there's some real good stuff every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Every which comes Wednesday. out Every single Wednesday free of charge. Every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast comes out at comicbookclick.com, which is the one stop for everything comic book click, including our merchandise, articles written by both gentlemen that are sitting with me today, and all... Our uh, every single one of our episodes, over 170 <laughs> hours of content at this point, you can put all those episodes together and create a robot that's pretty much said everything I've said up to this point. That's why I'm. That's but what he I'm won't try and destroy the world. We can guarantee. Well, I don't. Well, we don't know that. We don't know that. See, we don't know. Asimov's laws, bro. We don't even know. So. <laughs> Check us out at comicbookclick.com where every single of the episodes of the Major Issues podcast are found. But they're also found wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcasts, TuneFind, YouTube, Spotify, and more. Type in Major Issues into any search engine and we'll be the first ones to pop up because we're always talking about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. If you'd like to support us without any money, go uh, with some money, sorry, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse, and for as little as a dime a day, $3 a month, you can help support independent content creators like ourselves. But if that's too much money, go to and rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't. Because again, I've been to the future where we do become the greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media, but I can't tell you how we do it. It'll mess up the timeline. I enjoyed going back and uh, looking at this film, and we'll be doing a bunch of that. Next up is The Defenders. We'll be talking about the Defenders, Marvel's uh, attempt at an Avengers-like property uh, through the Netflix. <laughs> so come aboard and join us for that. Yeah, uh, why not have Dan be an, an disappointed for two hours and hear him how he just... Tell Dan how much you hate the Defenders by going to Facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hot, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issues CBC on Twitter. And that's what we do majority of our social networking. So contact us there when you get a chance. This was a hell of a look back at one of my favorite films, gentlemen. And I want to thank you both for being on this panel. But my name Ew. is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the comic book man. I'm Gregory Thomas, a.k.a. GT Rebirth. And this has been our Captain America Civil War recap and review five years later. And remember, when everybody else is telling you to move, you say, no, you move. When people are putting uh, coffee grinds into the, into the sink, <laughs> you ask them, what the hell do you think I'm running, a bread, a bread and breakfast for a biker gang? Do your best to stick your ground. Do your best to do what you want to do, what you think is right. And do your best to never, never enlist child soldiers <laughs> and remember that you yes you are worthy 